Regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. You gotta be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E. So I could get some phones, rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC, on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. What's going on everybody, it's your boy Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode 78 of Two Black Nerds. Yes. That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at TwoBlackNerds.com. Go check out our Two Black Symbiotes collection inspired by Venom. Let there be carnage. We got t-shirts, crew neck hoodie stickers, mugs, and tote bags. So go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we'll be reviewing a bunch of new movies, including popular Netflix originals, Red Notice. And Army of Thieves. We'll also share our thoughts on some theatrical releases like the biographical drama Spencer and the third My Hero Academia movie World Heroes Mission. Plus, we'll recap the new announcements from Marvel Studios' presentation at Disney Plus Day. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this week's show with a review of the star studded black western film The Harder They Fall. Open it. Last day amongst the living. What exactly he do to you? Call it a professional robbery. I know who you are. That love. Outlaw hunts down those who trespass against him. With no mercy. Where is it? Where is who? Your boss. My boss. Clearly, you don't know me. I heard Rufus Buck was back. So ain't no rule to ask a friend to travel. You think Destiny's coming to you? My guns go back. I can make the guns go back. A new day is dawning. Slow. Horses on the head of the angel. Sins of the father, dumping the truck about to kill you. Faithful to the end. Bullets with your names, Drew. Cock back, aim, shoot, bang. I don't particularly enjoy violence. That being said, you are currently in company of extremely violent individuals. Jump, mother. My guns go bang. I can make the guns go bang. She ain't gonna end well for you. Really? Oh. 
Now, this film is directed by James Samuel, and it's written by James Samuel and Boaz Yakin, and it's starring Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, R.J. Seiler, Danielle Deadweiler, Eddie Gathegi, and Dion Cole. Now, this is a movie that I know you and I have both been waiting on ever since we heard and got the information that this was announced earlier this year from Netflix. This was going to be a, a part of the long line of films that they were dropping each and every week on their streaming service. Mm-hmm. And we got a preview for it earlier this year. And this was something that we were just super excited about a black Western with a star studded cast, mm-hmm. some really fantastic actors a part of this movie this was something to obviously look forward to and it's actually been talked about quite a lot in the recent weeks because a lot more people especially i know on our timelines have been talking about it so it's definitely something that's been really exciting especially again with such fantastic actors a part of this like regina king or jonathan majors or idris elba Mm -hmm. just really star-studded talent coming from the perspective of an all-black cast back in the old west so we finally got a chance to take a look at the harder they fall so with all of that said man what did you think about this movie Man, it's it's just a, a, a I guess an honor to be um, among a movie who decided to go both black and western a hundred percent right. Of course, we got movies recently like Django, right? Where we love Django, it is a westerner, but it's not as um, I don't know what the word is culturally rooted in just this is about black cowboys, right? Django still has like that trauma slave thing to it. Um, we're here. It's just like, no, this is just niggas in the West. <laughs> uh, and, we're, and, we're, and we're here to have a good time. Um, and, and for that, man, I have to say, I, I really, really enjoyed this film. I think that it was so, uh, just so black, to be honest. Uh, it, uh, again, we don't get a lot of black Westerns. So I found myself just having a ball. I mean, of course, from the cast to the music, to the cinematography. Um, it was just a really fun time for me, and especially to see them uh, uh, kind of lean into some Tarantino-esque territory where, like, the blood, you know, and some of the ways and, and some of uh, the comedy, the way some things were shot, kind of leaned into mm-hmm. to that Tarantino a little bit. And I, I love that about it, though, um, because it still had its own flavor, again, being uh, just, just really black as hell with some of our favorite uh, either upcoming actors and actresses or some of our well-established actors and actresses, man. Um, it, it, it really was a sight to see. Uh, it, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means, but there's no way you didn't watch this and just, again, have a blast. I think it's definitely one of my ne- favorite Netflix movies. I'll probably admit it's not a perfect Netflix movie or it's not, you know, I wouldn't say it's like, this is the number one movie Netflix ever put out, but I will say it's probably again among my favorite uh, that I've seen because of all those reasons I said before, man. So yeah, I I, I had a great time, and really, I I just hope everyone else did as much as I did too, man. So yeah, what'd you think? Well, one of the important things about this movie that is immediately told to us at the top of it as soon as you start this film on Netflix is that these are real people. These are real folks that actually existed. Yes, this story is fictional. This is something that was dramatized and created by the screenwriters and the director of this movie, but these people actually existed in the Old West and long throughout Hollywood history. It doesn't take us to tell you that black people have essentially been erased from the Old West Mm -hmm. as depicted in Hollywood. We've gotten hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Westerns. Westerns in the the 40s, 50s, and 60s were the most popular genre in cinema, you know, and the Westerns are often compared to superhero movies now that have 
eventually they fanned out. People got tired of them, and they, you know, they just weren't as popular as they used to be. But Westerns are starting to, you know, sort of make a comeback. We've seen things of the like lately. You mentioned Django, even the Magnificent Seven a couple mm-hmm. of years ago with Denzel Washington. We've had black people in Westerns. There just haven't been that many black Westerns recently. Right. But there is an entire history of black Westerns that have existed well before this mm-hmm. film. Things that have come out in the 30s, um, the Bronze Buckaroo, Harlem Rides the Range, were movies that came out in the 30s. There was a whole line of Westerns that came out in the 60s and the 70s, especially as the black exploitation uh, era got really off and running during that time. Mm-hmm. But ever since the 70s, when we lost, I think, a lot of the, the mainstream black voices that existed at the time telling those stories, and things became a little bit more commercial, things became more sequelized and franchised and movie star driven in the 80s, we kind of lost that perspective. And now right. it's really cool to see coming back into this fold, we have a really talented director in James Samuel coming to this forefront of this this really large, big budgeted, highly star studded film and taking the reins of it. And I think that overall, this was a fantastic effort on all fronts. And I really enjoy myself. It's incredibly entertaining from top to bottom. And the thing that really stuck out to me the most is that, yes, like you can obviously look at it and say, like, yes, this is a black Western. This is something we haven't received that much of. We don't see too many stories told in this way. But even in addition to that, it disrupts that historically white dominated genre you know to sort of establish a mythos around black figureheads of the time Mm -hmm. um even though like some of these figures did really despicable things like if you read up on the histories of some of these people it's readily available all it takes is a google search like a lot of these people were definitely killing murdering stealing and even raping in some situations so it's really bad people but we're taking these people that did exist um and sort of reinforcing the idea that the old west wouldn't have existed without black figureheads and people that were a part of that time you know right. they had their own gangs they had their own towns mm-hmm. they had their own villages and people that they ran with and they oftentimes also um mingled with indigenous people as well like mm-hmm. the rufus buck gang if i'm not mistaken also consisted of indigenous people as well so it's just really good to see that perspective brought to real life on screen and done so in such a stylistically lavish way mm-hmm. i love just the use of colors in the different towns um that they went to throughout this movie the cinematography is just re- there's a lot of really interesting choices that are made um i think it's gorgeously shot it's well paced and then it's also just incredibly engaging because you have a fun soundtrack in the background like a modern soundtrack Mm -hmm. that's accompanying the story to keep you engaged and keep you enthralled in the in the movie and then of course we got to talk about the actors a part of this like everybody here is on their a game they're bringing their absolute best i think that this might be one of the most impressive idris elbow performances which is saying a lot because he's an incredible actor and has done a lot of great work but i think that this might be one of his more impressive um performances lately just because mm-hmm. there's a lot of complexity to his character but yeah. he's still remaining this towering and, and, and menacing figure you know sort of as the leader of the rufus bug gang but there's a lot of complexity to his character jonathan majors i really appreciated what he did he gave somewhat of an understated performance but that was because his, his character has so much so much tragic history and backstory mm-hmm. and he talked specifically about how he looked to tina turner as an influence for his performance and i yep. just found that so interesting because who would look at a musician to inform, you know, him playing a cowboy, but it makes sense from his perspective that, Mm -hmm. you know, Tina Turner had to persevere through all of this pain and suffering that she went through. And you would really never know it just by looking at at her energy and how she was as a charismatic performer that she had been through some extremely horrific stuff. Um, Regina King and Lakeith Stanfield, I really loved what they both brought to this. They were both dangerous and deadly and lethal and they couldn't be trusted and they still commanded authority on screen. So I really enjoyed their performances. And then the rest of the cast, um, you had people like Dion Cole, you know, bringing in some, some, some really good comedy here as well. Some nice levity to this story because this is a classic 
old revenge tale. You know, it's sort of utilizing that trope that's present in many Western films, but it's doing so in a way that actually subverts the genre. And I really, really enjoyed that as well, because there's twists and turns in the story that you probably just won't expect coming into it. And so overall, just a really fun, lavish, and also really slick sort of film from 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 James Samuel coming into this movie. I just really enjoyed everything he did with it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do think that we do have to address, because it's been a big, big topic of mm-hmm. conversation as we're talking about all of the problems in the in the history that that exists throughout Hollywood in terms of you know sort of erasing black people from the narrative of being around in the old west or any period of time of in history of that of that of that matter um but but the the casting of certain people in this movie in particular Zazie Beetz as i mentioned all of these folks are real that they're depicting and stagecoach mm-hmm. mary is the character that she's playing in this film stagecoach mary was indeed a real person and so once the information was out there that these are real people of course the internet did the work that it needed to do and found pictures of stagecoach mary and obviously Zazie Beats doesn't look like her. You know, Stagecoast <laughs> Mary is a dark-skinned woman, right. uh, a bigger woman. Mm-hmm. Zazie Beats, a younger, light-skinned, smaller woman. Um, and so there's definitely been a lot of conversation around just, you know, the colorism that may exist in, in terms of the casting choices there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say, you know, I think it it's a problem. Absolutely. We've talked about that on the show as well with other things. Like, it's clearly like, why would you have Zazie Beats play this role when Stagecoach Mary really looks nothing like that? Mm-hmm. You know, why not get a darker-skinned actress? Why not get somebody with the appropriate body type to be more authentic to who that person was? I will say at the same time, though, that the rest of the cast, I think that they actually did a really good job. Like, pretty much all of this cast with the exception of her Mm -hmm. are dark skinned people, you know? And I think that if you look at the photos of who those individuals were, they all sort of reflect them in a really authentic and meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Um, Did they get it 100% correct? Absolutely not, but something to make note of. And I do think like ultimately Zazie had to accept the role. So there is some responsibility on her part to say like, well, you know, I accepted this role knowing that this person doesn't look like me. I don't, I don't look Mm -hmm. like this person. Um, And so I think there's definitely some, some, some self-reflection that probably has to happen there. You know, maybe this, wasn't the best role for you to accept um but ultimately that's not something that i think impedes on the enjoyment of the film i think you can still absolutely have incredible fun with this and really walk away um enjoying what you just saw while still also being able to criticize you know something that they might have been able to do better at yeah man it's it's really interesting that um you know we kind of feel like we have to keep going through this uh kind of colorism thing you you already said it best that both uh it's it's on zazi to you know maybe not not uh, accept um um these kind of uh roles right i mean you i mean it, it, she has to have the mindset that damn maybe i just took away the role from a from a dark skinned woman you know like you said that's on her but also these casting directors right like what what's mm-hmm. going what's going on like why didn't you think of that i think the the thing about it uh that bothers me even though again i don't i didn't, i wasn't like reading into it too too much but the other thing that bothers me is one there's people out there who look like, I mean, you know, people were bringing up Wumi Mosaku as like a replacement. It's like, damn, she yeah. is right there, you know, and it kind of, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a slap in the face. And the other thing is that um, you, you're right. They did get everyone else right. But why is the one person they didn't get right the the love interest of the movie? And that's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing, I think, that makes it like, ooh, like the main love interest is the one that y'all didn't get right or, you know, that that felt like had to uh, look light skin or maybe there's a gaze. Right. Um, whoever whoever was the casting director um, and they have an unconscious bias that the, the when you win the girl, the girl is light skin. You know, it could be anything. Sure. It could be a, a, yeah. a number of things. But I think maybe if 
they messed up on another character, it would feel a little different. But because it's like the main, you know, like Regina King is right there. And like, and when I was looking at it, it was like, damn, this just looks like a dark skin woman versus light skin woman. I was like, this is terrible, um, a, a little bit. But it, it, it was fine uh, because, like you said, performances are good, and I, I didn't read too much into it. But there's another, another uh, kind of small layer there where if um, if they would have uh again maybe maybe done the research i don't know i don't know what happened but uh uh people wouldn't be talking about this but it's getting better uh, you know well that has to be a, some sort of talk on that it still sucks there's still i actually like last week there was like four colorism things going on uh, like some light-skinned girl got cast as a dark-skinned cartoon character it's a lot going mm. on on the internet right now um but it it it's in the light, and I think that's important too. Like, I'm proud of people for at least saying something about it because there, there was a while where nobody was even talked about it, right? It would just be a light skinned woman, you know, uh, playing uh, a dark skinned woman. It just sometimes it doesn't make sense. So, we just need to uh, figure it out. But, um, like you said, it didn't take away from the, uh, from the enjoyment of the film for me. Um, yeah, that's it. Certainly. Um, I also just want to spend a little time just like shouting out James Samuel, the director here. Um, this is his first feature length film, and he's actually done a couple of short films. He actually made the legacy video for Jay-Z. He's worked with Jay-Z quite a lot. He used to produce for Jay Electronica, and that's how you know him and Jay-Z established a relationship. Mm-hmm. And in 2013, he actually released a short film called They Die by Dawn. And in his words, that was that was sort of a proof of concept for this movie. He wanted to make a story like this, a black western film with an all-black lead and a black narrative and they die by dawn was something that he uh he wrote funded produced directed and was even an actor a part of and he mentioned that that was a proof of concept not to hollywood not to actors but really just to our people just to black people to show yes black cowboys black folks in the old west actually existed and some of them even thrived and had really successful and meaningful lives during that time again as we did in any and every time period throughout throughout Mm -hmm. history as much as they try to tell us that that's not the case Mm -hmm. obviously there are narratives to prove to prove that exact thing wrong so just shout out to him and he's also i've watched a couple of interviews with him and he's just such an exciting person like Mm -hmm. he's actually excited to be making movies and to direct you know sometimes i look at some of these directors talk or some of these screenwriters talk Mm -hmm. and they, they're just so subdued and yeah. they just kind of seem so laid back and chill, which is fine if that's their personality. But sometimes I wish we had more people that were just genuinely excited yeah. about the work that they put out. And he was like, no, legit, this film is fucking dope. Like, this is an amazing <laughs> movie. Yeah. I made some really dope shit. You should watch it. And I just love that energy from him. And he's just like so knowledgeable about his own film history and, you know, his different influences and things like that. And the fact that he like, is really an auteur behind this entire vision. He composed the score. Mm. He put together the soundtrack. Mm. He has relationships with all the people pretty much involved in the soundtrack, again, from Jay-Z to Lauryn Hill. Yeah. He, his brother is Seal. Like, that should tell you everything you need to know. Like, this hey, man is plugged, real, and you have <laughs> you have one of the world's, you know, you know most famous singers mm-hmm. as your older brother. So it's just all really cool stuff, and I'm just, like, really impressed with this. So I'm, I'm super, super excited to see what James Samuel may do in the future. So those are our thoughts on The Harder They Fall, folks. If you've seen this film, which we know most of you have, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition to another Netflix movie. We got to talk about the latest action comedy featuring three of the biggest stars in Hollywood, Red Notice. Special Agent John Hartley, FBI. Been tracking your scores for a while now. Every city, every heist. 
Now that you've been tagged with red notices, you've become the world's most wanted criminals. And I'm the only one who can bring you in. Where'd you get that jacket? It's a statement piece. Somewhere there's a very nude cow whispering. Worth it. Looking for something specific or just browsing? You're under arrest. Oh my God. Read the room. Girls will keep the secrets. You want to arrest me? So long, boys, make a noise. Arrest me. I just want the egg. Yeah. Help me catch her and I will help you. Teamwork. Direct, you know we get there. Team, 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 it feels weird in my mouth. No Hello, boys. How's it going with your partner in crime? We're work wives. We're not work wives. We're sister, sister wives. We're not any kind of wives. We both know that this whole thing is going to end with you in handcuffs. Promises. Promises. Don't you heard about me, right? Bye bye, Agent John Hartley. Now, this film is written and directed by Ross and Marshall Thuber, and it's starring Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, Ritu Araya, and Chris Diamantopoulos. I oh. probably butchered that man's last name, but <laughs> excuse me if I did. So Red Notice, uh, another movie that has been highly anticipated. This was another you know film that Netflix heavily publicized earlier in the year when they were making the announcement they were going to have new movies coming out every Friday on their streaming service. And of course, Dwayne Johnson... Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, literally three of the most famous people on earth at this point. Black Adam, Wonder Woman, and Deadpool all in a movie together. So on paper, you would think that this is a no-brainer to put three megastars together for mm-hmm. this globe-trotting adventure. You would think that this would completely make sense to do. Why not have three of the most famous people link up finally and, and, and sort of like do a do a you know dynamic trio of a film? Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that they've all worked together before, essentially, The Rock has worked with both Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. From the Fast and Furious franchise, funny enough, they've right. all been a part of the Fast and Furious franchise mm-hmm. at this point. And so I got a chance to check out this film. And um, <laughs> listen, Lord, <laughs> I've watched a lot of movies this year. 800. On this show, Over even 800. we've reviewed we, we, we've reviewed about I went back and counted. We've reviewed about 115 movies on the show just this year alone. Wow. A lot of things we've seen. Mm-hmm. And this is easily one of the least enjoyable experiences I've had watching anything this year oh, entirely. This is a complete failure of a film in my eyes, besides one or two positive things that I'll say about it, but I'll save that for the end. But I just have to say, I cannot recommend this movie for anybody to watch. It is barely a movie to me. Damn. I think that the big problem that existed the entire time that I was watching this is that you have, again, Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, 
all the all of these people are extremely charismatic. Mm-hmm. They've all led their own films. They lead franchises. That's all very much known. But when you put them together, something happened here that just didn't work for me. And the big big problem that existed is that for almost two hours, Ryan Reynolds' character and Dwayne Johnson's character in this movie they weren't real characters. They weren't like real people. This whole movie is centered around finding a MacGuffin. It's about finding a priceless golden egg. Mm-hmm. And that's really the entire plot. You don't learn anything about these people. There's one scene that takes place in a jail cell where you learn just a little bit about a couple of these characters. Mm-hmm. And they reserve all of that information because there's something that happens in this movie that basically alludes to the fact that, like, as to why you don't know that much about any of these three individuals. Without getting into that, that's not, I, I just don't think that that's a proper way to frame a movie because how can you get people invested in the story that you're trying to tell mm. and the mm-hmm. characters that you have at the forefront of this by not giving us any information about who they are? Yeah. Um, it, again, the entire experience was just about finding a MacGuffin and a bunch of double crosses. Who can trust who? Who's on whose side? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't trust anybody because everybody's telling a lie, everybody's a con man. And so the whole experience is just like going from set piece to set piece to set piece. And you just watch this movie just sort of unfold, but nothing actually meaningful happens. Again, it's just like a big long "let's find this" or "let's go chase this," and then that's it. It's just a bunch. It's just a bunch of sequences packed packed together. On top of the fact, like you would think that that would be like an exhilarating experience. You think you you know you come into a movie with big action, big spectacle, and you'd walk away like, "Wow, that was a really satisfying experience." Mm-hmm. But it's not. And oftentimes, I actually found it to be just flat out boring mm. for most of it i was just like what am i watching mm. what, what are we what are we doing here and it got annoying after a while because it then you know about the in the second act it became a movie that just referenced other movies both literally and stylistically like literally they referenced indiana jones jurassic park like multiple times mm. and then stylistically it's trying to be like oceans 11 but then also like national treasure mm. because of these you know different styles of just like finding something that's important that's priceless that's that's worth a lot mm-hmm. and the entire time i'm like okay well this is just like a derivative version of those better things that exist but it's not bringing anything to new to the genre it's not adding any new elements that are you know that's keeping me invested and intrigued into the story right. and by the end of it i was just like what did i watch here what was this why did we have any of these people take out this meaningful time in their schedule to make this movie that just doesn't add up to anything. And mm-hmm. the unfortunate thing that I think is going to absolutely happen is that it's going to get a sequel. Apparently, it had the biggest opening day in any Netflix movie ever, whatever that means. What? They just tell us that, and we just b- believe it. So I'm like, okay. Um, so we're probably inevitably inevitably going to get a sequel. And I just don't really know why. And um, the only nice thing that I guess I can say about it is that the Rock's character is unlike a lot of his previous characters. He's not like the physical mm-hmm. presence or the the brawn of the movie. That's what he plays a lot of the times. Here, he's kind of more the brains. And so I appreciated that, that he's sort of playing mm-hmm. against type in that sense and yeah. doing something a little bit different than expected. But then on the opposite side, you have Ryan Reynolds just, you know, he's a quit machine just telling joke after joke after joke. And 98% of them don't land. I laughed maybe two <laughs> times. Two two times, I'm like, that's funny. But most of the time, I'm just like, Ryan, come on. But like, you're just playing another version of yourself, just this quippy, really snappy individual right. that always has a comeback, always knows what to say in the worst moments. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow, this is this is a big waste of time. The last thing that I'll say is that to no fault of the movie's own, there's so much 
you can tell that pretty much this entire movie is shot on a soundstage. Mm. And it's noticeable, be, it's noticeable because it's meant to be a movie that's a globe-trotting adventure that takes place in multiple countries. Yeah. But you can tell that it's artificial. And I say to no fault of their own because they filmed this movie during COVID. They were originally going to go to all these locations like Egypt and Rome, but they couldn't because of all the restrictions. So they actually had to build these sets out in Atlanta. The entire movie was filmed in Atlanta. And so I think that they legitimately did the best that they could. But for me, as somebody who pays attention to those things, I couldn't overlook it. Mm -hmm. I could only notice like, oh, my goodness, there's definitely green screen there. That definitely looks animated. That Mm -hmm. does not look real. Why does that shot track that way? It's just noticeable stuff for me. Most folks probably won't notice, but that didn't help is what I'm trying to say. That did not help with the experience. And so overall... I, I I just wasn't here for it. This really didn't do anything for me. And it's really upsetting, again, because you have three really notable people that have delivered all all stuff that I've liked in the past before coming together for a dream team-like scenario, mm-hmm. and it just does not live up to the hype. Damn, that is tragic because all three of them are great. Um, but we all kind of had a, a weird feeling about this movie when it was even being uh, uh, trailered and, and, and previewed. Um, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but uh, yeah, man, it's just really unfortunate. What I do know is that no movie this year, I, you, know, you probably haven't seen it. You might have seen it. It will ever be worse than the movie Bliss that came out this year, bro. It got <laughs> it got Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek, and it's, I'm pretty sure Red Notice is better than that movie. I guarantee you <laughs> that that movie's better than Yikes. that movie. So um, yeah, man, that it, it, it sucks. I'm about to finish it soon, but whoo. Yeah, hopefully we can do better. Yeah, hopefully we can do better in the future, and I definitely would want better from all three of these actors. And this is also kind of weird because Ross and you know, Thubler has worked with Dwayne before. They made Central Intelligence together, which I actually like. I like that movie. They too. also made they, they also made Skyscraper, which mm-hmm. I don't think is a good movie, but I had hopes that, you know, okay, he has this relationship with Dwayne, so he knows him as an actor. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why I think that, you know, Dwayne Johnson here is the best part about this movie, uh, weirdly enough. But that's just not enough. It doesn't save the entire experience. Right. It ultimately just kind of falls flat for me. So it's unfortunate, but we can only hope for better in the future. But those are my thoughts on Red Notice. If you checked out this film, definitely hit us up on social media and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition to another Netflix movie that just came out. The brand new heist comedy spinoff prequel, Army of Thieves. Ready, set, and crack! Ludwig Dieter. Safe cracker extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner! We've been watching you. I belong to a crew that executes international bank heists, and we want to recruit you. I mean, I am no criminal. The world's distracted. This window of opportunity isn't just our only chance, it's yours. My only chance of what? A life less ordinary. I'd like you to meet the team. Karina, our master hacker. Rolf, our getaway driver. And last but not least, our very own real life action hero, Mr. Brad Cage. So, is it like in a movie film where each one of us has a different skill set and it's only working together that we can pull off that which needs to pulling off? Yes, it's exactly like that. We've assembled from various sources the locations of the three saves. 
the Rheingold, the Valkyrie, the Siegfried. All of them are under the ownership of infamous billionaire Balai Tanaka. Any questions? No. Yes, many. Hundreds. Thank you very much. Go, go, go! Let's move! This is about becoming legends. What are you doing? I'm warming up my instruments. Now, this film is directed by Matthias Schweighoffer, and it's written by Shay Hatton, and it's also starring Matthias Schweighoffer, Natalie Emanuel, Ruby O'Fee, Stuart Martin, Gus Kahn, and Jonathan Cohen. So, Army of Thieves is, as I mentioned, a spinoff prequel to Army of the Dead, which we reviewed and talked about earlier this year from Zack Snyder. That movie was starring Dave Bautista, and it introduced this character that is played by Matthias Schweighoffer. He comes in as this really sort of nerdy, goofy heist man that can unlock any safe in the world he's basically serving that sort of function in that movie and here they've given him his own spin-off prequel film a mere six seven months after the army of the dead came out earlier this year which is interesting because they had to film these things pretty much at the same time Mm -hmm. they had to have been in production at the same time which risky choice but it was done and so here we get a little bit more backstory a little bit more um information about his character where he comes from and how he linked up with that crew in army of the dead so with all that out the way man what do you think about army of thieves oh man oh man army of thieves there was like a glimmer of hope for this movie uh and i think it's because um uh, matthias how do you say his last name Schweighoffer, I think. Matthias Schweighoffer. He uh, he was admittedly one of my favorite parts of our Army of the Dead. Just because I liked his comedy, I, I I always you know gravitate towards the nerd in any story, no matter what he had going on. It's like a dude who's addicted to lore of locks. You know, it's like who does that? Um, and for that, he was always funny. So I was like, huh, he might be able to lead a movie. Um, and then of course Natalie Manuel was in it. Come on, let's. Let, I mean, I'm uh, yeah. So I, w- I was excited. Like, I don't know if excited is the word, but I, again, it was just a glimmer of hope, right? You had some uh, a couple of established uh, uh, people to lead the movie, but then you also already kind of built the world. But it's a prequel to that world. And so I think one of my confusion, one of my confusions, I don't even know if that's what, what that's, yeah, okay. Uh, we'll make it a word for today. <laughs> we're making it a word for today. One of my confusions about this film was although it was set in the army of the dead world, we didn't get much of it. Like I just mm. thought there would be more of a of, of a zombie alert somewhere in the in the movie, um, which they do hint at in the film, but nothing just nothing really comes of it. It just happens to be in the same universe, and part of me doesn't like that. Like part of me wish, wishes there was like more of a connection to the film because you would then watch it more as a prequel for me. It, it felt so attached, like, that I, it was like, okay, but, like, what, this is just, this is it? It's like, a, that's it? I, I think that I think that was what, what what drew me away from this movie. I was just like, that's it by the end. 
even though I didn't mind the watch, you know, I was like just kind of just watching it, going along with the flow. It was okay. Like I was, I was seeing a couple new things, right? They had some ideas, and you see some old things, and you're like, but everyone and their mom has done this over and over and over and repetitive, and it just ends up being something we've already seen before. Uh, and again, by the end, I'm just like, damn, that was it, because I, I expected something different, because the whole spin on this entire universe is the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> and it never happened and you're just like nope. i guess like you're just gonna give us a movie we've seen before then because you didn't include that part you didn't include your, your trump card like throw the, throw that thing in there um so yeah I, I i came out um thinking it was just fine i i actually don't hate it i don't hate it um but i don't love it either uh it, i was just here to to watch again natalie Manuel and matthias schwafferger together um <laughs> whatever you say this man's name i'm sorry sorry to that man um but it's yeah all good. but yeah at the end of the day it's just fine uh again they, there was a couple ideas and then they just didn't feel like doing it i guess i don't know i don't know what was happening uh but it yeah it's whatever it happened and it went away and it it's it, it won't be mem- memorable for for being its own thing it'll be memorable for being oh yeah it's the army of the you know, there's the Army of the Dead spinoff, and I think that and that sucks. You know, it's like, damn. Well, you you killed it, you soiled it. So, we'll leave it there. Based on all of that, yeah, it was a really confounding experience for me to watch this because I just thought that it was going to be so much more rooted in the fact that this world exists within a zombie apocalypse or at least an impending zombie apocalypse because that was the best part of army of the dead of course that we got this really complex and intricate new built out zombie hierarchy that was you know really i think really well thought out by Zack snyder on his part but here the so the the sole focus of this movie is absolutely on Matthias's character which is not a problem obviously this is a prequel that's supposed to be somewhat of a character study of who he is and why he is the way that he is Mm -hmm. but for me just watching it I'm just like this just doesn't have any excitement or energy around it like the entire first hour I'm just like so what are we doing here why are we why do we care about any of this what's the point like did we really need a backstory for this guy like I enjoyed him somewhat in the first Mm -hmm. movie in Army of the Dead but I'm like you don't need a two-hour story yeah by the way, the runtime is bloated. This absolutely did not need to be as long oh, as it was. Boy. Of course, you know, the energy did eventually pick up. I do think that the second hour ended up being stronger because it leaned more into the heist elements. We mm-hmm. finally got to see the heist unfold and you saw the double crosses that occurred. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is better stuff. You got a couple of action beats here and there. You get to see the relationship between Natalie Emanuel's character and his character develop over the course of the movie, but it just wasn't enough. None mm-hmm. of that could save a lackluster experience overall. Uh, it just took it just took way too long to get going and these fleeting flashes and appearances of the zombies it was just nonsensical. If you're if you're going to include them then it probably should be a meaningful part of the story. Yeah. But if you're only going to make visual references to them just to remind us that this is connected to that first movie, this is related to Army of the Dead, then there's really no point. I was just like, I, I didn't need that. I didn't I, I didn't need this movie, really. I don't even know who asked for it. And to go back to what I was saying when we introduced the movie, it was just it's just interesting that they put this into production essentially at the same time as Ar- Army of the Dead because what if that movie was a complete flop? Like, what if Army of the Dead just sucked? Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't it wasn't fantastic but it didn't suck but what if it sucked and then we still got this movie Mm -hmm. and nobody was interested nobody watched it so it was a big gamble i think on their part that 
I suppose this plan, you know, is paying off. Uh, obviously, the Army of the Dead franchise is going to continue in other ways. There's going to be more spinoff things that come from that franchise for Netflix. So mm-hmm. I think that they're grasping at straws for anything that they can find to turn into like a new machine for them. But this was just something that I didn't feel like needed to happen. Um, but we got it. So I can't even really argue that. Like, we got what we got. But since we got what we got, I was just like, okay, it was a movie and it was watched by me. But as you mentioned, added nothing new to this genre, adding nothing new really to the franchise. Um, If you're going to do a heist movie, I want you to go all out. I want you to be intelligent. I want you to subvert my expectations and surprise me and shock me. And most of them can do that. You know, there's only there's only a few that can really take you there because it's a genre that's really kind of based on all of those elements. And it's just didn't do it. That's it, man. It it really didn't at all. I wish that they... uh I don't even know what they could have done to fix this besides the zombies, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, like, that, but that's enough, though. It could yeah. have just been more of that. Like, give us a little bit more information about how they came to be, maybe. Mm-hmm. How his character in particular relates to, to all of that stuff happening. Um, I don't know. Maybe it would have been a stretch, but I, I, I think, I think you know, you either include them or don't include them at all. The fact that they just included them so briefly, I, mm-hmm. that made me even more frustrated, yeah. to be honest. Because it just didn't make sense. Yeah, it didn't make sense at all. Um, but... <sighs> Netflix, Netflix. Mm, they're trying, I guess. Uh, we'll have to see. But if you've seen <laughs> Army of the Dead, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition to another movie that we actually went to theaters to see, the new biographical drama, Spencer. Is she here yet? Not yet, ma'am, no. Then she's late. She is late. Your Royal Highness. Mommy. <laughs> Family are all gathered in the drawing room. They are waiting. Three days. That's it. They're getting quite serious about you. So stand very still and smile a lot. They know everything. They don't. Mummy, what's happened to make you so sad? Well, here, in this house, there is no future. Past and the present are the same thing. Diana, they can't change. You have to change. To be able to do things you hate. You hate? There has to be two of you. There's the real one <laughs> and the one they take pictures of. <laughs> Diana, for the good of the country. Of the country? You know, I really like things that are simple, ordinary, but things that are real. Kill me, do you think?
Now, this film is directed by Pablo Lorraine, and it's written by Stephen Knight, and it's starring Kristen Stewart, Timothy Spall, Jack Farthing, Sean Harris, and Sally Hawkins. We're living in a Diana moment, I would have to say. It's mm-hmm. a big, big time for Princess Diana. Oh, yeah. We've obviously seen her depicted in The Crown, which has gotten, obviously, rave reviews, and the performance there has been something that a lot of people have talked about. We have this new movie. Diana has also been portrayed by many other actresses in many other movies. There's been a ton of documentaries about Diana. She's literally one of the most famous people, you know, of the past 30, 35 years. And at the time of, you know, her being alive, she was one of the most famous people, most notable people on earth, obviously being a part of the royal family. Right. And we know that, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more, I think, content out there now that that's sort of like dissecting the royal family and what they mean to society and what mm-hmm. they mean to culture. And we're seeing that also reflected in real times right now with just, you know, everything that's happening with the royal family in this present moment. So I think that this movie is coming at a very interesting time on top of the fact that you have Kristen Stewart, a extremely popular actress, Mm -hmm. you know, now taking on this really, really, I think challenging and, um, also almost, you know, impossible shoes to fill with this type of role. It's a, it's a big weighty thing to do for her. It's a big challenge, but she's here portraying princess Diana in this movie. So with that said, man, I want to pass it over to you. What did you think about Spencer? Boy? Oh boy. So, the the thing, my favorite thing about this entire film is the way it's shot by far. I think it is shot very beautifully. That and included with, I think it was shot on film too. I'm pretty sure it was shot on film. I was looking, I was like, yeah, this just looks amazing. And it sucks that film is like really expensive because like people don't shoot on film anymore. It's just not a thing. Like. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's it's a hard thing to do, but when when it is, I mean, I, I you just have to notice uh, that I think the this team is going to get acknowledged somehow. I don't know how. I don't. It, it could be like through costumes and makeup um, nomination. It could be through again. It could some cinematography can go into it. There's a lot, but I just know this movie was beautiful. The ambiance was amazing. Like in the inside too. This this living quarters of the royal family is just like breathtaking, man. To be honest, uh, a, a lot of times, there was a lot of times I was not listening to the words. I ain't gonna hold you. <laughs> I was just like, who did this? Like, wh- who was the team here? Um, there's a there's a scene where they have a dinner, and it just looks like. I don't even know the color grading is crazy again it's shot really well the hair and makeup is like damn near perfect um and it it, it just had it going on man i also think uh kirsten stewart kristen stewart wow it's a kirsten kristen stewart did amazing here man i really do uh because princess diana is such a hard person to embody mm. um and to be able to at, at least the very least capture i think uh uh the essence of this three-day story right literally this is what christmas eve christmas day boxing day and i think to Mm -hmm. to be able to take these three days and give us that feel of princess diana that um is probably less popular right she gave us so much underground isn't a word but under the skin behind the curtain uh, uh princess diana and i think you have to you have to read between the lines you know to do some of these roles and biopics that people be doing because this a lot of stuff isn't on paper you know like a lot of stuff is coming from friends or or you know uh uh family um stories and to be able to act off of that i think is a, is another layer um that go, that goes under 
uh, well, one, underutilized, but also underappreciated. Um, and I think she brought that to the role wholeheartedly, man. Uh, it's it's Loki, a dark movie, which I didn't know it was going to be that dark. Like, I knew it was going to be dark, of course, Princess Diana, her story. You know, we, we know her story, but I wasn't expecting them to step into the, the realm of mental health the way they did. Um, and I think that's going to mean different for a lot of different people, too, because not only... Are you speaking of mental health, right? Something we're, we've been talking about for, you know, uh, more more in depth for like, I'd say about a decade now, about a decade ago was like the boom of like, no, nah, mental health, we got to get this together. Uh, but not only for that, but f- to 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 be able to still hold Princess Diana in that light, that she was the person that she was and that she we can still use her stories um, um, to, in, in, to, in a lot of ways empower us, right. Or to, to feel like we're being seen in certain ways, uh, in, in, in the battle for mental health. So, um, I thought Spencer was, was good, was really good. Um, I, uh, I, I loved it a lot. Um, there's some slow beats for me, which kind of take away from the movie for me, for it. Uh, there's a couple things that I think needed to exist. Um, and again, it, it took away from the movie a little bit for me. But other than that, um, I, I, I liked it a lot, man. Uh, definitely different than what I thought it was going to be. And, and, and I appreciate that. To add on to what you were talking about earlier about this being a three-day story, really looking at a small snapshot of Diana's life, a very specific window in time. Um, it's important to note the director, Pablo Lorraine, he's very much um, sort of in the camp of upending expectations of what a biopic can be. I'm very expressive about how tired I am of biopics just Mm -hmm. because there's a formula that exists there and we see the formula and it's very noticeable. Um, We talked about that a lot earlier this year with the U.S. versus Billie Holiday. Um, That was kind of what did it for me. I'm just like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on biopics. Like, I don't need another one. It's Mm -hmm. cool. I can watch a documentary if I really want to know. I've watched a lot of documentaries this year. But this coming from Pablo Lorraine, he's very much into the style. Uh, I've seen Jackie, which he directed a few years ago with Natalie Portman playing Jackie Kennedy. That was another, you know, biopic that really sort of took a fictionalized account of what her experience was in the wake of the assassination of her husband, John F. Kennedy. Um, He also directed another film called Neruda, which is another biopic about Pablo Neruda and the uh, brutal suppression of communists in China. Um, But that's another fictionalized account. So he's very much um, into the style of taking a person that we all know, a real life figure, and then looking into a small window in their life and telling a story around that and crafting his own narrative. And I love that he does that because because it's something different that we don't see from a lot of biopics. I think a lot of the failures that exist with those uh, specific movies is that some of them try to tell the entire life story of a person mm-hmm. within the time span of two and a half hours. And that just will never work, especially if you're looking at very complex, intricate figures that have existed, right. that have gone through a lot of things. There's just no way to tell their story um, in a serviceable way in that short amount of time. If you do a miniseries, you can do that. That's one way. But I, I, ultimately, I want better movies. Like Everything shouldn't be a series. Some mm-hmm. things should be movies. And I'm I'm glad that this is a movie that exists because you do get this exceptional performance by Kristen Stewart. She just absolutely goes for it completely. I loved everything that she did. I love all the mm-hmm. choices that she made. And this story became like not even midway through, but even earlier than that. What I noticed is that this is not so much a biographical drama. This is not so much a biopic as much of, uh, of a psychological almost horror film mm-hmm. at times that it ends up being. It is a very dark story. And you're looking at this person who is surrounded by this lavish opulent lifestyle while experiencing some severe 
psychological pain in her life because this is right before um her separation um from 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 her husband at that time and so it's also telling that story and then also her, her personal effects with her eating disorder disorder with the bulimia that she was mm-hmm. dealing with and how that was portrayed on screen very very dark tough subject matter that was tackled here yep. and around all of that really hard to watch stuff you have this really impressive atmosphere that's curated and there's such a, a such a high level of of detail and attention to detail all throughout this movie and those those different you know quarters that she was living in and the and the royal family and where they where they were you know sort of residing um you you would think that you would have all these people around her you would think that this would be a story that has a large ensemble cast to talk about some of the people that were around in her life but it wasn't really that because you got this sense of like isolation that was created and mm-hmm. almost like at times it felt claustrophobic to be inside of like her living space at times because she was dealing with all of this really traumatic stuff in her life. But the atmosphere overall and just like what you get from it, the experience of watching it, you get these gorgeous costumes, you get this yeah. really impressive and lush set design that's created. Um, there's this one scene where she's like in a freezer mm-hmm. and she's like looking at all the pastries in yeah. the freezer. And I was just like, this looks amazing. Yeah. Like, the the pastries looked phenomenal and i'm not i'm not even a big like pastry sweet person mm-hmm. but those looked phenomenal it looked like you know willy wonka in the chocolate factory um <laughs> right. or even the like the montage there's a montage of like her dancing and changing into like all her different like fashion outfits yes. obviously we know that like diana was like a fashion icon right. during her existence mm-hmm. and so to see the changing of the multiple outfits i'm like yes the costume department is going crazy right here they're absolutely nailing it um so there were like a lot of flashes of just like really impressive technical filmmaking Ultimately, I think that the story is fine. It isn't the greatest thing um, in terms of like a biopic. It isn't necessarily reinventing or inventing anything new here. I think it's just like telling a, a different type of story, telling a fictionalized account of what was going through her mind and what was you know happening in her life during that point in time. And ultimately, I walked away like this is a pretty good movie. It's fine. There's certain elements about it that didn't quite work for me. I agree with you that at times it kind of got a little bit boring. It dragged a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't all the way engaged every time out. But there was enough there to keep me, you know, mostly engaged throughout this this story. I, yeah. I, I just wish that I just wish that for more more of the film that they leaned more into mm-hmm. the psychological aspect mm-hmm. of it, more of like the, those horrific things as opposed to some other things that were just happening. Like there's some characters here that we don't even know if they actually existed. Like we don't even know if they were real people. Like mm, Sally Hawkins' yeah, yeah, character yeah. in this movie, mm-hmm. Sean Harris's character. Like I don't even know if these people were real. Maybe they weren't. That's fine. But there there were some of those moments where she's like interacting with others that didn't quite work for me it just mm-hmm. wasn't that interesting i'm like it's it's fine um i was mostly engaged again as as she was you know sort of dealing with her inner tor- turmoil and how you just watch this story of like this woman in peril and how she's dealing with mm-hmm. it and also like her relationship with her children was really sweet yeah. to see portrayed on screen so there were a lot of good things about it you know far from perfect but as you mentioned i agree with you this is going to get recognized for something i think kristen stewart yep. is probably going to be a lock for mm-hmm. yeah many best actress lead nominations um at all the awards i think that that's probably going to be a thing that that absolutely happens for her and i think it's deserved mm-hmm. she she turns in a, an incredible performance here definitely worthy of getting some some acknowledgement i don't know if she'll go as far as winning there's still a lot to see but i think she did enough here to, to deliver probably the career performance of of, of her lifetime yeah. the, the defining performance that she's had this far as an actor i'm proud of her um because we've seen her for so long but also in a way kind of feel trapped in that twilight world everyone that's in movies like that I always feel trapped right like like even i'm sure robert pattinson was like get me the hell out of this thing i mean 
Taylor Lautner still never he never really walked away from it to be honest. No. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's it's it's just good to see uh, that she's doing what she wants to do, and I'm I'm, I'm proud of that because again you. Get, when early in your career, when you get caught up in these in these franchises, it's, it can get real scary for you. Even uh, Harry Potter crew still going through it. They still going yeah. through it. Um, and yeah, glad to see her uh, extending her 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 talents here for sure. So we'll see if she wins. If she uh, definitely, she's going to get nominated. But hey, I think there's going to be some competition on the table for the actress this year, best actress. Absolutely. Definitely a lot to look forward to. Those are our thoughts on Spencer. If you've checked out this film, hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition and talk about the brand new documentary that just debuted on Amazon Prime, A Man Named Scott. Creating something new and helping people, it's always been an escape for me. And it's freeing. Buddy had no reservations delving into his most private thoughts. Everything I make has to help people in some way. He opened up a new side of me. I could just understand that I wasn't alone. How can I make something that calls out to the broken and the lost? I needed to feel something with the music. How can I push it? How can I... Give people something that they haven't heard before. Recording all this? Man on the Moon is one of the most influential albums in the last 20 years. He connected with the audience of kids that had never had an artist connect with them. People say that song saved my life. The pressure in that can be overwhelming. I just had a hard time dealing with the adjustments from being Scott to being Kid Cudi. I never worried about the music part. I only worried about him. After everything became successful, everything got dark. People look up to me, but I'm not a happy person. I felt like a fraud. That's what drove me to escape from reality. sacrifice the privacy of my life and put my story out there to help others. That's always been my mission. I'm not done yet. Now, this documentary is directed by Robert Alexander, and it's starring Kid Cudi, and it features appearances from Kanye West, Timothy Chalamet, Shia LaBeouf, Willow Smith, Jaden Smith, Lil Yachty, Pharrell Williams, ASAP Rocky, and Schoolboy Q. So if you couldn't tell, this is a documentary about <laughs> Kid Cudi, one of yeah. the you know most influential artists of the last 10 to 15 years in the music industry. It's a documentary about his life, his career, and everything that's happened up until this point. And this was something that I knew was coming. I remember hearing about it a while ago, but I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And so when it debuted on Amazon Prime, I was like, oh, can't wait to watch this. Kid Cudi, 
has been a part of my life ever since he debuted on the music scene all the way back in 2008, 2009 territory. Mm-hmm. I was a huge, huge, huge fan of his all the way from his initial mixtape, A Man Named Cuddy or A Kid Named Cuddy, excuse me, um, to his, you know, really seminal debut album, Man on the Moon, The End of Day, which really changed everything from that point on. Mm-hmm. And people have recognized like Kid Cuddy is he cut his demand. He's very influential in this game. And right. it's good to see him now get his flowers even 10 years later. Because uh, it's hard for, I think, rappers and hip-hop artists and musicians to, to get that acknowledgement sometimes, especially yeah. so early. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a lot left in his career, um, which I'll circle back to that point. But I, I can start off and just kind of say, man, I really I really enjoyed this documentary. Mm-hmm. I thought that this was a, a fantastic look at his life thus far. Obviously, the struggles that he's dealt with, he's been through some very, very dark things. He's dealt with a lot of personal demons. He's dealt with addiction and depression and just all these things that he's been very open about for his entire career. And I'm glad that they dedicated the appropriate time to all of those conversations because it's such a such an important part of his story and it's even better to see that he's now come out on the other side of it he's a much better man now mm-hmm. he's in a much better place and again he's been so open about all of this stuff you know we we've seen the social media posts we've seen the facebook posts from years ago we've seen the videos of just like him at really dark and low points and it's just such a beautiful thing to see like one of your favorite artists and he is one of my favorite artists to just come out and be in a better position in his life and to be able to tell the story and to tell it transparently and to be able to reflect on it. Mm -hmm. I just enjoyed that. And then on top of the fact, just going back down memory lane, so much nostalgia injected all Mm -hmm. throughout this film, hearing those tracks, it, 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 it almost took me back to when I first heard them when we had man on the moon one premiere in 2009, when we had man on the moon come out in 2010, like, and these all hit me at very, very pivotal points in my life. Like at that point I was transitioning from high school to college. So I'm, you know, starting to Mm -hmm. enter into the quote unquote new world and become a man and all of this stuff. So his music hit me at a very, very important moment in my life. And so all the stuff that you're hearing from the people that are featured throughout this documentary, I'm resonating with like to see Shia LaBeouf talk about how influential Cuddy has been on his life and how important his music has been. I'm Mm -hmm. like, that stuff hits. Or even to see like people like Willow Smith and Jade Smith who are younger than me for sure. They're definitely a part of a younger generation. But to see them talk about it as it relates to their art, to see how they talk about Kid Cudi's art and how much it's influenced their own particular art, both of them being musicians and creative people, or even a little Yachty, you know, who's now in the industry, very notable, very famous person who has been seen as an outcast in in his life. He he was he was picked on. Nobody really hung out with him, but he's grown up to be this this really notable figure. And he's talked about how Kid Cudi has influenced him to just be open and to embrace himself and who he is. And I'm like, man, that's just dope to see that like Cuddy has had such a profound impact mm-hmm. that I think a lot of us talk about when we talk about music and these hip hop conversations. Yeah. We talk about this stuff like, yeah, bro, like Cuddy did that. Like mm-hmm. all this singing and auto tune and vulnerability and emotional music that we get yeah. from so many rappers now. Mm-hmm. Man, Cuddy was the truly the impetus of that new wave of people coming in and doing it. Uh, we often so you know so many times we 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 credit Kanye West and Drake mm-hmm. for that style, which we've talked about on this show, both of their albums that came out this year. But no, it was it was Cuddy, you okay. know, Cuddy, Cuddy hugely influenced Kanye West. Obviously, oh, yeah. changed the entire direction of his career, which thus influenced Drake. You know, there's a a, a true family tree, a, a true lineage that you can see mm-hmm. amongst all these artists. So I was just glad to get it. I, I thought it was great. Um, and, and it's one of my favorite documentaries I've watched this year. I've watched a ton of documentaries, um, and and I think it, it, it something it just resonated with me because he's an artist that I've I've seen you know sort of grow up and and develop and come become this new person um, while overcoming his demons. I guess the one small nitpick. This is a very small nitpick because I, I I can't really nitpick documentaries. Like they're either good or they're not. The only thing that I'll say is like 
his story is far from over, you know? So I think that, mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said about people who do these documentaries definitely at the end of their career, you yeah. know, at a later stage in life when they can truly look back and reflect on everything, mm-hmm. the complete story. There's just a new level of perspective that you get in an older age. I watched the Tina Turner documentary earlier this year, or even the Rick James documentary that came out a couple of months ago. Like these are people that are, you know, in Rick James's case, no longer here or in Tina Turner's case, like she's pretty much retired. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the full story pretty much at this yeah. point. Kit Cuddy has a lot left. So that's my only thing. I would have loved to maybe see this in like, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And maybe we will. <laughs> we'll probably get a, a sequel, you know, yeah. an old man named Scott. I don't know. You know, something <laughs> might happen in the future to get the full story. But that's the only thing. Like he has so much left to do. He has so much more music to make. Um, and there's so much, so much more insight that we'll get from Cuddy. But beyond that, really enjoyed it a lot. Bro, I pretty much cannot add anything to that. You said it from beginning to end, from being a big Cuddy fan all the way to how this, you know, this documentary went. Um, it it was a flex seeing all these people um, kind of show up for Cuddy in this capacity because it really does take time. Set up cameras. You got to take time out of your day to literally sit down. And interview people about this man, and to get people like Shia LaBeouf, Kanye West, and the, even the, even the uh, the Smith kids, man, they busy too. Like they out here doing <laughs> stuff, and it, yeah. it, it 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 just really is cool to see. Um, I guess that support system in a different way that he had um, um, uh, coming up uh, is really dope because it was a lot from Dot. We got a lot from Dot um, in, in this documentary. Yeah. And that was really uh, dope to see too, because we know they, you know, they, that's two pieces of the pod. That's the that's the forty and Drake, right? Is 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 Diet and Cuddy? Like they, they've always been like that. Um, so to get some stuff from him was pretty good too. Uh, again, I'm not going to add much. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, you said any any and everything I could pretty much say. Only other thing that was like kind of weird was like when like they had uh, uh, Jaden doing like interpretive. I don't know what the hell he was doing. He was like <laughs> in the shadows doing like. In, in, in interpretive moving, interpretive move acting uh, for what the, 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 I guess the message was at the time. And I was like, I don't know if we needed that, but we'll yeah. take it. Uh, but again, by far, the, the best part of this documentary truly is hearing um, the words from Kid Cudi himself, the things, even, even him telling us the things he was going through. He will, uh, or like how in the documentary he has a, he says something where he's like, um, what's the name of that song? Uh, uh, like the darkest song he ever wrote, "Some Speeding Bullet." Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Dang, I, I yeah, I, I remember that piece. But of yeah, him, yeah, but he he, Kid Cudi, um, he knows, uh, "Speeding Bullet" is his darkest album, and there's a lot of songs on there that he doesn't like talking about, and that makes sense. And I'm like happy I I just heard that from his mouth himself because if you're a Cudi fan. And you're going through these albums and you hear things like that, or you hear a speeding bullet, you're like, damn, bro, you got dark, dark right here. Um, and sometimes, it's, again, from the outside looking in, you're like, okay, maybe I'm tripping, but like, Cuddy's like, no, nah, y'all right. Speeding speed bullet is, is is some dark shit. Uh, and, and he recognizes that. So, again, a lot of my favorite parts of the documentary was hearing from Cuddy himself um, about the things he had going on, man. Um, and, you, and you can't beat it, you really can't. But yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed it, um, and I hope everyone watches it. I think it's worth it's, it's just worth it. Like if you if you like Cuddy, if you're in the realm of Cuddy, if you're again, I even think this helps understand Kid Cuddy's influence on 808s, right? Like that was a mm. very 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 important thing that I don't think a lot of people understand about Cuddy and Ye's relationship is how much 
Ye was uh, uh, using osmosis on Kid Cudi, right? Like, I yeah. mean, he literally brought him on and then, like, he just immersed himself in 808s and Heartbreaks. And that became a whole nother thing that influenced it, you know? Um, and, and you talked about that, too, but uh, his, his influence can't go. Um, it's, like you said, he's getting his flowers now, and that can't go unchecked, um, the things that he's done. So, yeah, man, uh, stream it. Stream it, stream it, stream it. Yeah, certainly. I, I agree. There was so much that I felt like in terms of perspective was just new to even hear. Um, hearing the people around him for me was was just a really um, a really key thing that that, mm-hmm. that just kind of, you know, really drove home the idea of just like how important he is to so many people in so many lives. Yeah. I love seeing also just like them zoom in on the comments that people were making after he made his uh, his really emotional post on Facebook from a few years ago how he was going to step away and, you know, get some, get some help and go to rehab and things of this nature mm-hmm. and just how much support he got or even having some of those people come into this, this documentary and they did the close-ups on their face. And like, you just hear like why Cuddy was important to them. And I'm just like, man, yeah, he's like, he's legit saved lives out mm-hmm. here. He saved his own life. You know, they had that clip from like the wizard, like listening party where he was like, I make this music because it saves my life. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is life and death for me. Yeah. And it don't get no more serious than that, you know, when you're talking to an artist. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And so I've seen just like so many reactions um, from just like other celebrities, too, that that have just like really, I think, resonated with just these words and the honesty and the vulnerability. Again, he's just he's just doing what he's always done, you know, with his music. He's just taking it to another step with mm-hmm. this with this narrative story about his own life. And I think even from that perspective, if you can take that and walk away with it and gain something from it yeah. and hopefully have a better day from it, man, that's a win. That's a win for everybody. So mm-hmm. definitely shout out to Cuddy and all the people involved in the making of this project. So those are our thoughts on A Man Named Scott. If you checked out this documentary on, on Amazon, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and transition to another streaming film that just debuted on Apple TV Plus, the science fiction drama Finch. It all happened so fast. There was a solar flare. Goodbye crops and food, goodbye everything. So I did. Frightened and so alone. And I found you. What shall we have? Get your elbows off the table. Get your elbows off the table. All right, you're next. You see, I'm developing something interesting. Giant leap of faith. Now, if you can speak, tell me something about you. That robots must protect dog. If we don't go before that storm hits, we'll die, all of us. As soon as you can walk, we're leaving. One, two, one, two, one. If that's falling. One, two. Head west, over the mountains. Would you like me to drive? Don't oversteer. That's oversteering. Ease your foot up just a hair. Perfect. (laughs) Hey, what's all the fuss? I learned to talk dog. I don't think it likes me. Come and see this. Tie the RV down. Hang on to something. We should be safe once we get into the mountains. 
Other things will happen, like 150-degree heat, UV radiation, and people hiding in the shadows. Go now! Do you think we'll make it? Not without my team. What we do, we do together. I believe in you, Fish. Now, this film is directed by Miguel Sapochnik, and it's written by Craig Luck and Ivor Powell, and it's starring Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry-Jones. So, Finch, interestingly enough, was actually going to come out in theaters. As many films this year were, but because of the pandemic, things changed. So, this was originally going to be distributed by Universal Pictures, and it was going to be released last October, Mm -hmm. but it was delayed several times because of covid They also retitled the movie. It was originally going to be called Bios, but then it was retitled Finch once it was sold to Apple TV Plus, and it just got released on the streaming service uh, this past November 5th. And so I got a chance to watch this movie, and I just wanted to quickly talk about it. Um, Tom Hanks, obviously one of our national treasures, one of the greatest living actors that we have. I'm always going to check out pretty much anything that he has out there just because, you know, he's one of my favorites. And Finch overall is very much just okay. Um, Very average movie. I think that... There's some interesting ideas here. It is a dystopian post-apocalyptic film and it has it has the vibes of Castaway, which is obviously another, you know, very notable Tom Hanks mm-hmm. film. It's a it's a it's a it's a story about a man that's somewhat isolated. He's not as isolated in this movie as he was in Castaway. Like here he actually has a robots and a dog that he interacts with it's it's the story about these three these three beings it's about tom hanks character this robot that's played by or excuse excuse me voiced by caleb landry jones called jeff and then the dog is goodyear that's the name of the dog and so it's the story about these three and basically tom hanks's character finch has created this robot jeff in order to take care of the dog in the situation that tom hanks passes away because a lot of human life has has disappeared from earth because of this uh this this solar flare disaster that essentially destroyed the ozone layer Mm -hmm. um and that's basically made planet earth uninhabitable it's it's a wasteland it's a desert desolate planet um and there's extreme weather events and occurrences that happen so the population of the earth is very very slim and minimal at this point so he's created this robot to take care of this dog in the situation that he goes because he knows that his time is limited. And I thought that that like idea and that concept was cool. And again, it's, you know, sort of, you know, calling back to what he did in Castaway. And it also feels like the Martian as well, because it's bringing in that sort of scientific perspective as well. Sort of mm-hmm. like this man who's by himself, who's incredibly smart, smart and has to come up with solutions to all of the challenges that, that, you know, continue to come up across his time in the story. But it just kind of felt derivative of those movies, similar to what I said earlier about Red Notice, you know, sort of referencing and calling back to those other movies. But those other movies just did it better and they were more entertaining and more engaging. Mm -hmm. This one is just like simply okay, And again, very much average film, as I mentioned. Um, I liked Caleb Landry Jones voice work here as Jeff. Uh, I thought that. He was the standout in particular, had a lot of funny lines that that really worked for me. Also, the dog, Goodyear, was really good. It's always impressive to me when animals are brought into a film and they yeah. actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Tom Hanks has experience doing that with Turner and Hooch. Mm-hmm, um, uh, it looks like he took, took looks like he took a 30-year gap with working with dogs because I, I just can't <laughs> imagine that's a good experience. Like, you got to yeah. be... 
you got to have another level of patience to like deal with that. But um, that stuff worked for me, like the interaction with these other characters that that, that are going through this journey with him. Um, but the story is just not that original. There isn't anything new here. It isn't that engaging at all times. Um, and I think even by like the last 30 to 40 minutes of it, I was just like, ah, I kind of wish it would just be over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's OK. I don't even know if I would recommend watching it because I think there's just like better things to watch mm-hmm. um it's just something that's just like out there it's certainly certainly not one of tom hanks's better performances it's you know it's 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 probably going to be something that i forget about i kind of have already forgotten about it in the time that i watched it to now talking about it here it's like uh you know he did that movie it was it was fine it's not something i'm gonna like pop in mm-hmm. just for fun in the future it was just like okay so i'm actually kind of glad that it ended up on streaming because if i was in the movies watching this i don't even know if i would have enjoyed it more that way i think i probably would have liked it less just because of how much doesn't happen um so a few things to like about it but overall it was just like it was fine damn tom hanks tom hanks they got to also uh, a lot of Apple TV movies, they're hard to not come by, but they're hard to think about, I think, versus even though we know Netflix doesn't like market a ton, it's like that word of mouth that happens a lot, right? Like, I know so mm-hmm. many black people on Twitter who only watch The Heart of They Fall because people started talking about it, like on timelines and shit. Whereas uh, something like, again, Apple TV, that word of mouth isn't, you know, it's not as strong. Um, of course, you're going to get a Ted Lasso, right? Where, like, a Ted Lasso is going to happen, but... As far as the Apple TV goes, man, they got to find a way to either somehow match Netflix's energy when it comes to social media um, or, yeah, or just find a way to market their movies. Because I I guarantee you, I can walk up to on the street right now and pass 30 people and they have no idea what this even is. What the hell is Finch? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's something I think they need to figure out, too. But that's unfortunate. We, we still love Tom Hanks anyway. <laughs> yeah absolutely it's hard to it's hard to dislike anything that he does because he's just so good and everything but you you make a great point there like even with a, a superstar very notable iconic actor like tom hanks that's just mm. not enough to save this movie and it's also not enough to just even get people talking about it it's yeah. just something that exists as a quote-unquote piece of content uh on a streaming service so it's unfortunate but um yeah you know it might be it might be one of those movies like if you see it on cable and you come into it in like the 60 minute mark like halfway mm-hmm. through like you really haven't missed that much. You could still like watch it and be like, oh, okay, you know, that's just like something to have on in the background. Like you don't really need to be all that invested from the beginning of the story in order to like find out what's happening. I think it's a pretty quick and easy watch in that way. Um, but because of that same fact, it's just not it's not the most engaging or intriguing story that we've gotten thus far this year. So those are my thoughts on Finch. If you checked it out, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and transition to another film that you just checked out, the new anime film, My Hero Academia, World Heroes Mission. Why were superhuman powers, the meta-abilities known so casually as quirks, forced upon our kind? These quirks bring about nothing but tragedy. They are not a blessing on our world, but the beginning of its end. We humorize must take action! Even if it means dying the earth red with blood. Your leader's gone. Search the premises. I repeat, Humorize has placed bombs around the world. The weapons are set to explode in one hour and 52 minutes unless the heroes are able to find and disarm them worldwide. Heroes, success or failure of this task rests on your shoulders. This is it, heroes. Start your mission. Go! This way! To protect the heroes. Our friends. The world! Die! 
pure humans are being threatened by the sickness of quirks. The gravely afflicted are beyond our help. Deku! I won't give up! Because Deku would never give up! Now, this film is directed by Kenji Nagasaki, and it's written by Yusuke Kuruda, and it's, and it's excuse me, it's starring Dake Yashimita, Nobuhiku Okamoto, and Yuki Kaji. So, this is the third, I believe, My Hero Academia movie. It's mm -hmm. also the third one to be released theatrically. You got a chance to go check this out, man. So, definitely tell the people, what did you think about World Heroes Mission? Yeah, so, we're, <clears throat> so My Hero Academia is on this path to releasing a movie a year, right? You mentioned the other movies. I think Two Heroes came out in 2019, and Heroes Rising came out last year. Or I could be like a year behind. Maybe they skipped last year. Um, in, the, in the two years before that, they came out with their films. But here we are with their third film. Um, easy to be excited for. Big My Hero fan. Uh, a lot of people are. It's one of the biggest animes in the world right now. Um, and it's it's just fine. And what makes this hard, I think, is two things. One, uh, the last movie, Heroes Rising, was just really good. Uh, it was just bonkers to the wall, fun. It wasn't canon. Like things were just happening in the movie. There was music playing. It was all kind of crazy stuff happening in, in, in Heroes Rising. And so here we are with World Heroes Mission. And one of the things about these movies, even though a lot of them uh, aren't canon, they still fit into uh, uh, the puzzle piece of where the anime is. So, like, they, they will tell you this movie happens right after season five. Like, the char mm. ca character development is really good in this uh, anime. And so it's important to know, like, Certain people have already elevated to do certain things with their powers. Again, there's quirks. There's a lot going on. Um, and this movie, again, it ends up just being kind of okay because of, uh, again, one, again, the success of the other of the last film, but also, two, because the nature of the story, there are just beats that get born. It's simple as that. Uh, oh, wow. they try to do this, um, they turn my hero into a buddy movie. It became a buddy movie. And although that's like fine and dandy and adorable, that's like not why we're here as my hero academia fans. We, well, we wanted some of that more balls to the wall action again, I think, um, in the way it was, uh, heroes rising was. And so here, seeing world heroes mission, is just, it was fine. Like, uh, there's a lot of, what I will say, all these movies have great, messages <laughs> which you can still watch some movies nowadays and there's no message and you're like so there's just yeah i don't know like what what, what are you trying to tell people or what story are you trying to tell that doesn't always exist anymore um but but here uh they do that what i will also say is the anime has been slacking a little bit uh mm. animation wise and okay. and accuracy to manga uh, and a lot of people have been criticizing the way it looks in manga and the way this studio, again, has been has been putting uh, animation out in, in, in the anime. It, has, it just hasn't been one-to-one -one as a lot of the fans would hope. Um, but I, I, I'm glad to say I think this movie looks great. I think they still killed it in terms of visuals. Uh, anime movies have been doing that. They've been concentrating on these movies between this and Demon Slayer, and they're coming out great. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is coming out. Um, next month, which we're really hopeful for, but 
if if anything, if you if you love my hero and you want to see some fire ass animation, you're going to get that uh, because there's always like they they still have some fights in this uh, in this movie that you're going to enjoy. There's still some crazy sequences and whatever uh there's a lot going on some people just want the smoke and that's cool too like sometimes it's like oh y'all just want smoke and that's what we're doing um but again it's more of that 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 i'm looking for and it's an anime movie you know it's like i'm here for people to whoop ass (laughs) i want to see some i want to see some cool (laughs) animation and you know again maybe give me a little um a little a little message in the end but again this film just gave me uh uh more buddy cop weird story that's kind of already been done before in a lot of western stories that uh here in america like we've seen this movie a lot of times in live action and i think that being translated to in anime you sense it like you watching it you're like damn i've kind of seen this before um and it catches you off not not off guard but you kind of just not ready walking into a my hero movie that that's uh what it would come down to but that's what it is man it's just okay but i i still recommend it for for my hero fans for sure yeah you know it's funny one of the reasons i've been able to watch those other my hero movies is because it's not directly tied to the series i remember you telling Mm -hmm. me that and i went and checked out you know heroes rising and and two heroes i believe Mm -hmm. in like but both of those, I was like, these are incredible. Like, yeah. this is fantastic. I can't wait to eventually dive into the series. And so I'm definitely going to check this out when I get a chance. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that this one kind of takes a, a quality dip compared to those other two. Because, yeah, the last one that came out, it was just like, whoa, this is like another <laughs> level. This this feels like a theatrical experience too, like the mm-hmm. amount of action and just like yeah. stuff that you saw on screen. I'm just like, wow, this is this is really impressive here um, to, 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 you know, sort of like tap into that energy of the manga and to bring it to life on screen. So, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that World Heroes Mission is, is kind of just like yeah. a step down i mean yeah. um if, if they are moving in the direction of like doing like a movie a year or mm-hmm. maybe even like a movie every couple of years like they're just increasing their output um that that likely hopefully means like the chances to you know just get it better the better the next go around but of course like i think we always come to these just with like high expectations mm-hmm. especially when you have yeah. two other entries that are just like exceeding the bar and really you know sort of raising it in a new way um so hopefully the future holds a better holds a better day for them yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's the worst of the three, admittedly. Uh, even the the villain here is forgettable, um, and it happens. You know, uh, it, it happens because there's probably again so much manga writing. <laughs> you know, they they got a lot going on. Like usually, anime. You know, anime is not constantly putting out a movie and a not a movie in theaters. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's tons of anime. Right. There's like eighty Dragon Ball Z movie, eighty Naruto movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah but to, to, to be doing both is a lot. So I'll give them a little bit of benefit of doubt on that. But like you said, I think they'll get it together. They're fine. I'm not. I'm not worried at all. Fair enough. Well, if you've seen My Hero Academia World Heroes Mission, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition to another animated movie. This time from the DC side of things, the newest animated film, Injustice. <laughs> Imagine meeting. This is a priority call to all Justice League members. A woman is missing. She's one of ours. Her name is Lois Lane. Lois? My masterpiece! Brace yourself! You took his wife. You took his unborn child. And his city. Why? After all these years, Batsy, you really need reasons from me? 
What happened to Metropolis can never be allowed to occur again. You'll throw away everything the Justice League stands for. Now, this film is directed by Matt Peters, and it's written by Ernie Altbacker, and it's starring Justin Hartley and Anson Mount. So, Injustice is an animated film that's based on the 2013 video game of the same name, an extremely, extremely popular video game, Injustice Gods Among Us, which started that franchise, and then they obviously had Injustice 2 come out a few years ago as well. They've also had an accompanying comic book run, um, a comic book series, Injustice, that ran for, I believe, five years as well. And so, this film is adapting both pieces of the video game as well as the comic book series from Injustice, and so we finally got this new animated film. I can go go ahead and kick off like my thoughts about it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, overall, this is listen DC in terms of like adaptations. It, they, they, I think they're always hit or miss with their animated films. Like we we've gotten like really good adaptations in the past, such as uh, The Dark Knight Returns, and then we also got just like really trashy, terrible stuff like Batman: The Killing Joke. Yeah. Um, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And for me. Injustice is kind of in the middle. I know earlier this year we talked a lot about the long Halloween, how they really kind of nailed that story. Yeah. They mostly stayed faithful to it. Dividing it into two parts was pretty much necessary for the just the scope of that story, it taking place over the course of a year and the amount of characters that are involved with it. Injustice is a similar storyline where there's it, it essentially the entire DC universe is at play mm-hmm. in the story. Like every hero is involved, especially like if you played the video game, you'd know this that pretty much everybody is at play here because they're choosing sides. It's a story about Superman against Batman, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, The basic premise is that the Joker has essentially tricked Superman um, and has detonated an atomic bomb in Metropolis, killed the entire city of Metropolis, and has also killed uh, Lois Lane. And so that sends Superman into a furious rage, and then he kills the Joker. Again, this is all from the video game. If you just haven't seen the video game at this point or played it, like... Yeah. Too bad. It's like mm-hmm. 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, basically the, the premise. And we go on a story from there that pits Batman against Superman. You get these two opposing sides of a conflict because Superman essentially becomes a world dictator. Mm-hmm. He essentially takes it upon himself to be the person responsible for who is a criminal, who isn't a criminal, what the crime is for the punishment that, that that's laid down. And Batman on the other side of that is disagreeing with that, that people still need to be given, you know, due process and have fair trials and you can't be the one sole person in charge of making those decisions. You're the most powerful being on earth. You're going to just instill fear mm-hmm. in the world's population. That's not what heroes do. That's not what the Justice League represents. And so we get the story that goes on from there. And so for me, this was just like a mixed bag. It was like they obviously changed some stuff from the video game, mm-hmm. which I didn't really mind that much, honestly, because like if I just want the video game, I'll play the video game. So I don't mind them changing stuff. Um just watching it overall, I was just like, it's it's fine. It doesn't add anything new, though, necessarily. It just kind of yeah. tells a lot of the same beats. What I did really like is just, like, the violence, just to be honest, because, mm-hmm. like, this is a violent video game mm-hmm. made by NetherRealm, who is, you know, it's Mortal Kombat. So it's like, we're going to go into the violence, lean into that aspect of it, and they're bringing that over into this animated film, and I really appreciated that. Lots of people die. Lots of bodies <laughs> are thrown around. Um, but ultimately, what what kind of resonated the most for me watching this, the reason that I feel like it's just like, okay, it's average, is because we've gotten so many evil Superman stories without Superman at the center of them. Yeah. With the creation of The Boys on Amazon, with the creation of Invincible mm-hmm. also on Amazon. Also, two things based on popular comic book runs. We've examined the idea of an evil Superman for a long time now. Yeah. 
and it's become a really popular thing to do with these other shows that are being created and becoming really popular. And they're just taking it to such high mm-hmm. extremes all the time. Like if you look at the boys and Invincible, those shows are th- those are the types of shows that'll have your fucking jaw on the floor mm-hmm. every single week. You're like, what did I just watch? <laughs> and we've talked about that yeah. plenty on this show. Like, what was that? And so DC, in telling an injustice story, which is one of their darkest, most violent, most gritty stories, I think, of recent memory of the mm-hmm. past like 10 years, mm-hmm. there's still a, 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 a restrictive nature about it that I felt watching it just because we're getting just such extreme accounts of this same type of story from other comic book adaptations that we're seeing on the big and small screen. Um, so it just it just doesn't add anything new to that that canon, that side of you know, comic book lore or the comic book universe. You know, again, if we want to see an evil Superman story, I think it's just like it's being done elsewhere. You know, mm-hmm. we have we have these other character iterations that are just doing it in, in an exceptional way um, that isn't totally reflected here. So I kind of did expect more, just a little bit more savagery, to be honest, in the part of this movie. And it just didn't deliver that for me. Um, and I think also too, like, again, if you're going to do Injustice, this is a big sweeping story mm-hmm. that takes place over the course of two games. There's five years worth of comics also associated with yeah. it. I think you need to you need to split this up into multiple movies you like if to. you're going to do that story. And I don't know if they intend to do that. It doesn't seem like they will. Maybe they'll adapt Injustice 2 because that's kind of where this leaves off. But I think that you know you just need more time to go for this type of story because there's just so much here, so many characters. So it was, it was fine. It was okay. Yeah, it's... Um even though this is a fine movie for me, um, I didn't give it like a super bad rating. Uh, I, I'm still disappointed in the film. Um, again, it's not a travesty, but there's so much in the injustice story that just has to happen. Uh, and what I think what's the weird part for this film watching it was how fast everything was moving. I actually feel like I was watching it constantly fast forward like a vhs tape you can see it fast forwarding but you know. <laughs> um because i mean everything was like the the dialogue was fast the punches were fast like everything about this movie was so fast everyone was talking fast i i was just like jesus y'all are moving like y'all are moving moving I was like, haha i'm the joker i'm harley oh my god where's batman where's superman superman's over there where's lois get lois bro i'm t- i'm trying to tell you he called the justice league and then they found lois and like five seconds in the actual movie they <laughs> did yeah i was like was they quick. found her it bro i'm telling you the, it's like a timestamp. it's like for five minutes and 15 seconds they found her like five minutes and 30 seconds i'm pretty sure <laughs> because that's i mean it was moving fast it's like damn this movie moving. because it just had so much to do and a lot of those subplots just went underdeveloped there's a whole nightwing thing happening in this movie and I am still confused as hell as to what was happening. Like, <laughs> like you get there and you're like, okay, but why? Like, and, and, and it, it just not really explained, even though it had potential. Um, but it just turned out to be, again, sort of a bust. Um, other than that, I think the voice acting was great in this film. I think they all did a good job. Like you said, I like the violence. Niggas die. Like, yes, DC, more of that. Um <laughs> I just wish they put a little bit more care again into this, into this, um, this, this timeline and story that so many other stories are being inspired by. Because now you, you just talked about it. You're like, well, man, the boys is you know doing this, Invincible's doing this, and they're doing exceptional. 
but the niggas who made the source material was struggling with the movie. You know what I mean? It's mm. like, goddamn, come on, man. Y'all po- y'all supposed to have it together. They got it together. Why don't you have it together? Uh, and shoot, maybe that's the commentary. The niggas like Invincible and the boys is trying to <laughs> trying to tell y'all like, why don't y'all niggas yeah. got it together? Um, but yeah, man, I I still enjoyed watching it probably because I'm a nerd. DC, I was just like, ooh, that character's over there. Ooh, that character's over there. And I, I love, I will always love seeing that stuff. Um, but again, it's really just hard, um, hard to, to to do this source material. I think, and I, part of me just wish they took the subplots out and just focused, or the other way. I don't mm. know. They make it longer. You know, like they. I think there was ways they could have done to figure it out, but it's almost like they just needed to get the movie out because that's again everything was just happening so fast. Like they were like, all right, next voice actor, come in. Oh my god, hi, how you doing? I'm Green Arrow. And then he like, I mean, they were talking quick. Uh, but yeah, there were some cool interactions. I love Green Arrow and Harley. Spoiler, whatever. Um, it, it, I, I enjoyed them. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just fine at the end of the day. And uh, I, I, I just wish they did better with such a big story. Yeah, there's there, there's something to be said. That's a good point that they could have just stripped this down to focus on the most essential parts because it's ultimately it's supposed to be about the conflict between you know bruce and clark superman and batman and there's obviously ancillary characters that support that narrative wonder woman is a very important piece of it both green arrow and harley are very important characters to that narrative but all of those separate stories outside of the main conflict just they just didn't have the time to really flesh that stuff out to Mm -hmm. really you know they were just undercooked you know they just couldn't get that 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 attention that they needed when you you know as opposed to that you get a video game which obviously injustice is a it's a fighting game but there's still story there there's still cut scenes and a narrative you know threat that follows in and again all of this is greatly expounded upon in the comic book run as well and so um they're yeah they're 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 absolutely just could have been more attention paid to all of those supporting characters and so this might have been just a better experiment to, to to you know release over the course of a mo- you know a couple of movies or i keep i keep saying this too like you know you have this whole streaming service at your disposal now mm-hmm. like why doesn't warner animation like we have young justice which we both love that's obviously doing incredibly well why are they not experimenting with more of these shows you know it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be something that runs over the course of three or four seasons mm-hmm. you could do a limited series run of an injustice yeah. animated series on hbo max like it's easy kind of right there it writes itself like 10 episodes boom that's it like and that that feels yeah. like the appropriate way to tell that story to give the the give it the time it needed and so um i don't know i don't know i don't i don't know what they were necessarily thinking with tackling something so ambitious as this mm-hmm. in the time frame of an hour and 15 because these movies are already short by their nature um but i you know they're, they're kind of running out of stories to adapt at this point i'm, I'm really interested to see where DC animation goes like they're uh, they're at least running out of a lot of their iconic stories to tackle. I think they're gonna have have to go go deeper into the runs of their comic books, you know, and and tackle some other characters that haven't gotten as much focus because they've made so many movies about Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Like mm-hmm. I think they have to go deeper into the bench and like really start looking at the Flash, really start looking at Green Lantern, really start looking at Cyborg or you know uh, Martian Manhunter or Aquaman, and like yeah. really figuring out ways to find like the things that work with those particular characters. And if you mm-hmm. want to adapt a film that way, like go, go forth and do that. So we'll have to see, we'll see what else DC has. They have four movies coming out yet next year. I think their next project is a Catwoman movie. So it looks like they are starting to try to tap into some other people and maybe also capitalizing off the hype of the upcoming Matt Reeves, Batman movie. Cause who doesn't love Catwoman? Right. So we'll definitely talk about that when that comes around. But if you've seen injustice, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and switch gears 
And talk about a video game that was yeah. just recently recently released on the Marvel side of things. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy just debuted for all the major video game platforms. This game is developed by Idos Montreal and it's published by Square Enix. And so this game has had, for lack of a better term, little fanfare. This is not something that was been heavily promoted. <laughs> it didn't have a huge marketing campaign. Right. Not like the Marvel's Avengers game mm-hmm. that, that came out last year. I remember that had a, a huge lead in. We, we knew about that game for... I, what three years when we first got the announcement from Square Enix, and then I remember E three a year before the game came out, we saw some of the first gameplay footage, and then we got some additional trailers and gameplay footage over the course of the following year leading up to that game. Ultimately, that probably didn't help its efforts because people were very critical of everything that they saw, and then obviously the game came out and mm-hmm. just was not warmly received. And so maybe that was some of the thinking here with the Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy game in terms of the lead-in. So we didn't get that much from it, but it's out now. We got our hands on it. Have you had a chance to play this? What did you did. What do you think about just like sort of the lead-in, you know, to the game and like some of the promotion and then also the game itself of what yeah, you play so far? I am actively playing it, actually playing it right now. Um, I absolutely adore this game. And it's for the particular reason of they just got the dynamic of what Guardians of the Galaxy is. Even though, again, I'm still going to complain that a single player. I don't care. Um, but there is there's something to be said about the way they captured the comedy in this game and the way, and the way they did music in this game. Uh, there's just two things that I love so much. Literally, the opening to the game, you're like in your room as a young teenage Star-Lord just listening to, to the band star lord like it's so crazy they like made up this fictional band um all for star lord uh for for him to again draw his name from um but also give that 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 flavor in that feel of guardians of the galaxy that kind of rock 80s you know rock and pop um um uh, music genre that they have going on and I, I to be honest i have a blast just listening even though i'm playing the game <laughs> i might be fighting something but i'm just like constantly laughing at like something rocket said or something that like drac said to to i to group or it it's just so many interactions i think that they've recorded in this game that i just never get bored and of course again so far the adventure has been different pretty much every time um but i think i'm only on like chapter three i'm not like super super far but Y'all, you'd be surprised how much playtime chapter like getting to chapter three is. This is a lot going on. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I'm really just having fun with the, these voice actors and the things they say to each other. And on top of that, it's not as repetitive as the gameplay that we got from Marvel's Avengers. It really is just one of those. Um, there's no microtransactions. There's no. The story is relatively meaty. You can choose. Uh, uh, there's. Uh, I never knew what it was called. Ever since, like, um, Mass Effect was one of the first games I played like this, though, where you choose uh, uh, an audio, right, uh, a mm-hmm. conversation point. You can choose between conversation points mid conversation, and it'll legit change the outcome of what happens mm-hmm. next. Um, and you you, you got to pay attention to stuff like that. And Guardians does it, and it's like low key subtle, but like the differences. You think about it, you're like, no, that's two different choices um, that I'm making here, and it actually matters. And I think that's another cool part of the game. But again, it's simple. Uh, it's a simple game, but it's entertaining. Um, and I think as much as I love, again, I, 
I love the combat, but you're sometimes you're able to, to turn your brain off during the combat and just listen to again the, the interactions that's happening on the field. And that's really cool for me. That's like a gaming experience that you don't get a lot because in a lot of single player experiences, you're not paying attention to the dynamic of the, your main character and the other characters. But you're but here you're you're in the, in the midst of Guardians of the Galaxy. So you're like, again, you're just constantly um, um having fun with that part of the game. So yeah, man, I, I enjoy it so far. I'll probably maybe I'll give a one more thing when when I beat it, you know, just to to see what's going on. But I'm having a good time, man. Surprise of the year, I have to certainly say. Looking at this game initially, seeing the first trailers and the first gameplay footage, I was not that impressed. I'm like, uh, I don't know about mm-hmm. this one. This doesn't look like it's gonna be worth my time. But th- these are characters that I love. This is a property that I, that I love, and I wanted to give it an opportunity and a chance to play it. And boy. Did it take me by surprise? This is such a fun game. This is such a mm-hmm. tremendously made game. It's just so faithful, as you mentioned, to the comic iterations of these characters and to their character character adaptations here. Um, if you don't know that th- th- this is an original story that they're telling, this is in no way connected to right. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, the same characters, yes, like Peter Quill and Gamora and Drax, so on and so forth, but this is an original story um, set in an original time, unrelated to anything we've gotten in the films, and that's for the better i think that that's a smart decision here to to do something pretty much original and to add a new spin and a new spice to the guardians of the galaxy franchise and man i had such a tremendous time playing this i beat the story um just a few days ago and it was such a satisfying experience because even beyond the gameplay stuff that you mentioned and how fun it is with the music um the story itself like the actual story that they're telling here is really meaningful and it's really really good it's actually a very a deeply personal story um uh, leaning into the idea of family, which a lot of Guardian stuff is about inherently, and I enjoyed it. And the voice work is really great, mm-hmm. and also the character models are very, very yeah. impressive. I was surprised at how good it looked. I didn't think it was going to look that good, mm-hmm. but between the character models and the settings, and just like these vast, wide, epic worlds that we're visiting all across the galaxy, it looks gorgeous. Like this is a beautifully made game. Um, you're visiting so many new planets and encountering so many new species. It just looks so good. You have all these vivid, poppy colors um, that come throughout the course of the game that are compounded by this epic 80s music. All the most notable rock and pop glam tracks that you can think of from the 80s are present on the soundtrack. And it's funny as fuck. There's so many funny, hilarious <laughs> moments all yes. throughout the script. I mean, I laughed so much at Drax. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did not think that the experience of what Batista brought to Drax in the 2014 Guardians movie could be matched yeah. by a video game. But He's killing boy, it. I, mm-hmm. I loved the voice actor playing this guy because all the line delivery, everything that he does here, obviously taking inspiration from what Batista did right, in that right. movie, but adding his own spin to it, it just works so well. Mm-hmm. Rocket is great here. Yeah. I even think this version of Gamora... It's a really good version of Gamora. You know, I, I I don't know if I'll go as far as to say like she's better than Zoe Saldana in the role. It's two different mediums, but I really, really enjoy what they did with Gamora in this role. Um, and just a slight thing about the the relationship between her and Peter, they don't make them a romantic thing in this in this game. I think they allude to it cleverly in, in, in so far as the fact that they might have done something in the past, but it's not like it's not like the main element of their relationship, which I appreciate it. Again, it's something different. This is truly more about the family and how Quill is 
the leader of the family and how his decisions and his rhetoric and the words that he uses impact his relationship. Because as you mentioned, you get to choose the reactions to certain scenes of dialogue throughout the game. You can choose to encourage them. You can choose to stick to the plan and focus on the mission at hand. You can take sides in a different argument. Like if you want to take sides with Rocket or if you want to take sides with Gamora. And that all impacts the small things that happen over the course of the gameplay and your interactions with these characters. And it's just bringing in so many fun things from the comics. I mean, and I know you have to play more too. There's there's so many more like new characters that you'll meet that come from directly from comics. Things that we've seen in movies that, that have come out this year where I'm like, damn, Marvel's doing that now. Mm-hmm. And like we're getting them in this video game too. And I'm just like, it's so great to see all of this stuff work together. So overall, tremendously fun experience. I highly recommend it if you're yeah. into gaming, if you play games, if you love Marvel, if you love Guardians. This is worth it. This is truly a worthwhile experience. And I think it just it reminds us that single player narrative driven stories in video games, these triple A, you know, sort of like platform games, mm-hmm. they can still be really good. They're still yeah. worthwhile, you know, if you put in the proper resources and time to, to make them to make them worthwhile. So Loved it, had a great time, really, really enjoyed it. So those are our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy. If you've played this game, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and finally transition to the news of the week. Boy, we just reviewed nine things. My God. Talked about eight movies and a video game. We had a lot to get to, so we're going to move on to the news of the week. The big news item of this week was obviously Disney Plus Day, which we've been talking about a few times on the show, and it finally happened this past Friday the big stuff that came out of Marvel, we'll get to in a second. But before we do that, man, I just want to ask you overall, you know, from what you, you know, sort of caught wind of, you know, what did you think about just like the presentation of what they did with Disney Plus Day? It was, um, I think, a little bit different than what people expected. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just a Twitter thread, but <laughs> it was what it was. Um, but we got some, we got some new announcements, and we got some announcements of things that we already knew were coming, yeah. but maybe some first looks at things. And then again, as the you know the Marvel side of things, I think we'll spend the majority of our time on. Um, we we got some. Some definitely some surprises out of here and some confirmation of things we've been suspecting. But overall, what were your thoughts about what they did with Disney Plus Day? Yeah, uh, it was like you said, it was different than what I expected. Again, you just turn on Disney Plus and go to the little <laughs> he hit play, and initially I'm like, how long is this? Is it like what 14 minutes or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and in my mind, I was just like, this, what is this? Like, is this anything? 14 minutes? Does Kevin Feige get to talk? Like, I had so many questions initially. Um, and the, what I do like is they did a, again, an entire recap of how we got here, right? What's, what's come out this year. They started what with WandaVision, went into Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki stuff. Um, and then they kind of go into all the new stuff that we'll talk about, uh, here soon. But, but that old, that old recap was half of the video. (laughs) So I literally paused it. Like in that first transition, which, by the way, the transitions in, in this thing, I freaking loved them. I don't know who was editing this, but they were killing the, the transitions from show to show. Uh, but it 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 didn't feel like Disney Plus Day. It did. Mm. It did. But it felt like di- M- MCU on Disney Plus Day. And I think that mm-hmm. messes me up a little bit. And I think that is the disappointing part of what this was um i think i like the presentation as an art form but i don't don't think i like the presentation in practice if that makes sense because you say it's a whole day where give us give us the rundown i'm thinking dc fandom for disney i'm thinking Mm. we gonna be watching a i don't know at least a two hour something you know like a two hour next up 
Kevin Feige to talk about the Marvel shows. Next up, with whoever talking about because Star Wars, they always be changing people who they want to talk. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean. And I think for a lot of Star Wars fans, it was easy to be disappointed because what did they get? You know, like what what did the Star Wars fans get? Damn near nothing. They also gave us. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, there's other stuff to talk about, but like they also what did, what else did they give? Uh, we've been talking about on on social media that damn. A TV show, Sneakerella, the Sneakerella movie coming out. Oh boy, which is another conversation. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, but like Marvel, we love y'all. We love y'all. One, you could have presented this a little bit better. First of all, to get to get the hype around it, right? You talked about it with DC Fandom, how there will be something leading up to, or there should be something leading up to this. There should be a panel talking about this in depth, or an explanation of this. And again, some of this stuff we're talking about. Um, some of the stuff we will talk about as what they unveiled on Disney Plus Day is like people don't know who these things, what these things are. Mm-hmm. Like, can can they have context? I have context. I am sometimes I I be so ahead of Marvel. Damn, Marvel don't know I'm ahead of Marvel. <laughs> and I, but it, I, I even watch, was watching it, but like y'all not gonna tell nobody what that is. Like, yeah, uh, it, it's just yeah. I I just think the the they they could have done more. Um, in terms of what they're giving here, because you can't be like Disney Plus Day is happening, and it's Disney Plus fourteen minutes. Like what? <laughs> I it just didn't day. Where's the day? Like I expected be, be hearing news the whole. We heard news for like an hour. Like you said, it just felt like a Twitter thread because a lot of the other stuff that wasn't Marvel was just like in the wind, and you just yeah. had to like happen to scroll by it <laughs> on Twitter of what was happening on Disney Plus Day. So. Yeah, man. Uh, that's that's kind of how I felt about it. It was just like, I'm happy with the announcements that we've gotten. Don't get me wrong. I love all that shit. But like, just do more. Do more. And don't don't lead people into thinking you're going to give them something and then you don't. Like, Disney Plus Day? Come on, bro. That was... What? Yeah, when this was first announced a couple of months ago, I was expecting a less corporate version of the Investor Day that we got last mm-hmm. year, which you do get those official presentations from a lot of the leaders, uh, the executive leaders across the different film and animation animation divisions at Disney, just rolling out the announcements, letting us know what's coming, and also providing that very important context about things that we might not inherently know about. And that wasn't the case here. It was really a Twitter thread for the most part, and then they dropped a couple of specials on the streaming platform, which is behind a paywall if you're not a subscriber. So there was a 14-minute Marvel um, sort of like look at the future, but as you mentioned, half of it was just a recap of things we've already seen. They dropped a Boba Fett documentary on Disney+, Plus, um, sort of like prepping us for that character ahead of the book of Boba Fett. And I think that there was one other special obviously they also had movies that that debuted on streaming that day shang chi and the legend of the ten rings debuted and available for streaming for all subscribers jungle cruise also debuted and then they also debuted the imax enhanced versions of 13 mcu movies Mm -hmm. restoring the imax aspect ratio to a lot of those movies that used imax cameras which by the way if you have the the appropriate tv watch those shits with that imax enhanced oh Oh my god. <laughs> it looks like rewatching them for the first time. Like Infinity War and Endgame in particular, mm-hmm. they were shot entirely in IMAX, so the entire movie looks that way with the expanded aspect ratio. Oh, good grief. I needed I needed more of it. But anyway, <laughs> um so they had other things. I also saw that in Select Cities, they had surprise screenings mm. where you would basically sign up for a movie from Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, or Walt Disney Animation. 
but you wouldn't know what the movie is that they're going to play. It's a movie that's already come out, right, like, right. for example, The Last Jedi or something like that. But you would go to the movie, and theoretically, you would be sitting in the movie, and you wouldn't know what it is until they played it. And then also, apparently, they would have, like, some bonus footage or some sneak peeks and stuff. I don't know who's taking that type of gamble, paying for a movie not knowing what it is, but right. that was an option. And then I saw on their social media, they had, like, these these installations all across the world that had, like, these, almost like these Macy macy's you know day parade like floats all across the world these blow-up floats of like a lot of their iconic characters so mm-hmm. i think that that was their way of like turning it into a day-long celebration um but i'm not sure a lot of people knew about that stuff really it was kind of under the radar if you ask me whereas the rest of the things that we got like the official announcements or the confirmation of things it was just a twitter thread it was just like a couple of like specials that rolled out but it all just felt chaotic it was really mm-hmm. hard to keep up with um I, I i knew coming into it it was going to be a twitter thread throw i had the feeling of it just based on the way that they marketed the event yeah. leading up to it i'm like they're not going to do which they needed to do they're not going to do like a centerpiece presentation right and that's what they needed they could have done the twitter thread still mm-hmm. Because I understand, like, yes, get that engagement, bro. Get them impressions. Right. Get them retweets. Get all of that stuff. I get that. I'm. That's what I literally do. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have been helpful to have some sort of centerpiece that everybody could have tuned into, live stream it, put it on YouTube, somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. That everybody can just watch and get the full story and the gamut of all the things that you have coming out. Mm-hmm. And to your really, really important point, the context is very important because if you just see a logo yeah. of a new show and you have no idea what this is, it's like, well, okay, yeah. fine. Like, who like cares? <laughs> yeah, who, who cares? Like, you're not telling me anything about this. I don't know what to expect. And we got a lot of that last year at the Investor Day, and we did not get that here this year. Mm-hmm. And it just goes back to the idea of what you mentioned a few weeks ago when we talked about DC Fandom, man. I think we we need these cons back really bad. Yes. Like these things need to happen because those events, man, they do a lot for obviously the fandoms around that exist. But it, it's it's so important to have those people that are involved in those projects behind and in front of the camera to talk about that stuff to give us the necessary information that we need to get excited about it. Because ultimately, it's hard to do that when you just get a black logo. Um, you know, that just gets tweeted out randomly at a, <laughs> you know, 1055 in the morning. Yeah. So I don't know. But with all of that said, man, let's talk about the Marvel stuff. Because, listen, Kevin Feige needs a wheelchair because he's carrying Disney on his back Clearly. at this point. Because <laughs> they're Clearly. the only ones really showing up and delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got some confirmation of things that we suspected were going to happen. We also got some new announcements. And... It's hard to even know where to start with this. Let's start. Let, let's start with the new stuff. Let's start with just the brand new stuff that we did not officially know was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's start on the animation side of things because, as we talked about on the show before, they are expanding into animation very, very aggressively over at Marvel Studios. And the first thing that we got announced, which is, my goodness, I don't even know where to start <laughs> with this. Hey, we officially have confirmation that a new animated series entitled X-Men 97, will be coming to Disney Plus, produced by Marvel Studios. It will be a revival and continuation of X-Men, the animated series, which was airing from 1992 to 1997, one of the most popular iterations of the X-Men comic books, one of the most popular Saturday morning cartoons that ever came out. Definitely something that's solely responsible for so many people's fandom to begin with when you talk about comic books and Marvel and especially mm-hmm. X-Men. Um, very, very influential series. It's coming back. They're doing it all over again, and it's produced by Marvel Studios, the Kings of the Hill right now. Man, I would, thoughts, react. Hey, bro. <laughs> what else I, to say? I almost... Man, yes. I'm just excited, bro. Um, people know I'm a huge, 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 huge X-Men fan. 
Uh, and I, I love X, X-Men cartoons. X-Men Evolution is like one of my favorite cartoons ever. It's, this is just just good news, man. There, There's something about, as much as we love um, the original X-Men animated series, 1992, there's something about the animation at that time that's just a little clunky. So, like, to be able to get rid of that clunkiness in today's world with still the, the 97 feel where they left off, I think this is going to be one, it's like a, a genius idea. I, whoever came up with this, I hope they got some a bonus, a rate, like because because <laughs> they was thinking they were like X Men ninety seven, and they're bringing back so much of the old cast is what they said, yeah. and I just know we're gonna have a good time. More memes are gonna come out of this because there's a lot of memes that come out of the X Men <laughs> animated series show. Um, and yeah, man, I'm just happy to be here. This is great. This is this yes. Yes, more of this. Yeah, I, I can't add much onto that. What What's very interesting to me that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about with this announcement is the fact that the X-Men animated series is not MCU canon mm-hmm. in any regard. Right. Like, this is something well before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is an original creation that had no ties to any of that stuff, obviously, because it predated it. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing it back. I think we're led to assume that this is in no way connected officially to the MCU. Right. Like this is X-Men the animated series. Yeah. This is that universe mm-hmm. which will technically make it the first time that they've ever done something that's not connected to their current timeline. Mm. And I remember a couple of months ago when we heard that Marvel Animation was going to be a thing at Marvel Studios. They were creating their own division. Mm-hmm. Victoria Alonso talked about it. I remember we pondered the question would this open up the opportunity for Marvel Animation to do things unrelated to the MCU? Yeah. Do things that are just not connected to the current timeline, mm-hmm. as we see in the Affinity Saga and now in Phase 4. Can they just do an original something? Can they adapt something, a popular comic book? In no world did I think they were going to bring back X-Men, the animated series, but this is leading into that idea of like, oh, we can tackle projects that aren't that aren't necessarily connected to the narrative story that we're telling over the course of these films and TV series. We can take something that people beloved and still provide a new fresh take on it while retaining all the elements that everybody loves and is familiar with. Mm-hmm. And this is a really I think this is a really impactful decision that reflects the promotion that Kevin Feige received a couple of years ago going from the president of Marvel Studios to then becoming not only the president but like the chief creative officer yeah. of all things Marvel if I'm not mistaken, basically all of Marvel television, all of Marvel animation mm. came under his his purview. They're now in his scope of work. So he's really the guy steering the ship in in regards to animation Mm -hmm. and live action and films and TV. And I feel like that this is reflecting that because before there was always this big divide between what the folks in LA did with Marvel Studios and what Marvel New York did. Marvel New York controlled everything else in terms of publishing, in terms of television. Mm -hmm. That's why you get this weird separation between the Netflix Marvel Universe and the actual MCU. They're not Mm -hmm. connected. They're referenced, you know, but Mm -hmm. they're not actually connected. But now that's all that's all done. You know, this this is all under one wheelhouse right. now. And I think that they're the better for it. It should all be under one wheelhouse. It should all exist within the same the same unit who's working together. And, you know, obviously, you know, we know what the MCU can do. We know what they're capable of. So this is great. This is just great stuff. I can't wait. This is going to be 
this is going to be hugely, hugely popular when it comes out. And it's coming out in 2023, apparently. They just hired a bunch of new animators to their <laughs> to their team. There were a bunch of job postings <laughs> all across the internet. So I'm like, oh, they're, they're really tooling up here. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense why. We also got the announcement of three other animated shows. Marvel Zombies, the confirmation of Season 2 of What If, which we knew was coming, but we officially got it confirmed. And Spider-Man Freshman Year, which is also very interesting because this Spider-Man series is going to take place within the MCU, we got official confirmation that this is going to take place as an origin story for Peter Parker and the MCU. So Tom Holland's Peter Parker is going to be the focal point here. We don't know if Tom Holland is voicing him. Likely not, but it's going to tell that story, which means we probably are going to see Uncle Ben die. We're going to see how he got his powers. We're going to see the first iteration Again. of the costume. Again. Poor I mean, Uncle Ben. As if we need... If we need that in the world. <laughs> um, but that was a really interesting thing for me. Uh, the What If Season 2. Again, we already knew that was coming. Cool. Mm-hmm. Marvel Zombies. Um... I guess it makes sense. I mean, that's essentially a what if spinoff because they did the Marvel Zombies episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know Robert Kirkman is not involved in this. You know, he's very heavily doing his own projects mm-hmm. now, and they're clearly going to adapt the Robert Kirkman of it all. Uh, I just, I don't know. You, that's a dark, that's a dark thing to adapt, and I just don't know if they're going to take it there. So that's why I'm kind of like reserving mm-hmm. my excitement for Marvel Zombies in particular. Um, but I am interested in Spider-Man freshman year just to see like that origin story from an animated perspective. I just hope, and I don't know if it will be, I just hope it's not too, too kid-friendly. Because sometimes these animated Disney shows, they lean so far heavily into like the 4 to 10-year-old mm-hmm. demographic. I hope it don't go that far. Like, yeah. Make this somewhat mature, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. My name is Peter Parker. And I... <laughs> That's what I imagine when you said that. Uh, right. Yeah, man. I think... That's another good idea, though. Spider-Man freshman year. Um, again, it's the one year of Peter Parker's life that we haven't seen. Uh, and because of that that skip that uh, Marvel did intentionally by introducing him in Civil War, we never got a lot of those introductions. We never got how does, you know, like you said, the Uncle Ben stuff has to happen. Did this, is this Spider-Man different in the way he was bit? I don't know. Like, where did the spider come from? You know, there's like a lot of stuff about this specific Tom Holland origin uh, Spider-Man that we don't know. And I, I think that's a good idea to throw it in an animated show. This is what we're trying to tell people. Just throw it in an animated show real quick um, because we know it's going to be a one-off. It's literally Spider-Man freshman year. Like, you do it, yep. you get in and you get out. Um, and, and that's it. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll see We'll see how it goes. Marvel Zombies, like you said, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know what, I don't even know what's going to happen here or what's the point. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think there's something they didn't resolve in What If, right? On the zombie episode, where like people was alive, Loki, um, potentially in the, in that episode. So maybe they'll continue from that. Maybe that's what it's about. Like, just again, just that world from this perspective of those heroes that we've seen that was alive. Right. Um, but yeah, who knows, man? Uh, it's 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 questionable. Marvel zombies is questionable, but I'm I'm hoping for freshman year. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I'll say about these animated projects, it seems as if they're going to go with a different animation style for all of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to have like a house style, like if they're going to just like rely on the what if style of what we saw. Marvel Zombies might be in the same vein mm-hmm. because we had the Marvel Zombies episode, but the X-Men show like that. No, that has to look like the original. Oh, like yeah. you say, remove all remove all the bugs, remove all the clunkiness, mm-hmm. obviously modernize it, but it has to retain that same. Yeah 
you gotta you gotta get that right and you gotta get that opening theme like you gotta have that stuff it's essential yeah um spider-man freshman year it looks like that they might go with a more traditional 2d hand-drawn style um based on like the small preview that they showed that might resemble the original comic book run from stan lee um so i think that they might try something a little bit different there Mm -hmm. but i guess we'll have to just like wait and see but that's also just like a, a interesting tidbit um that the Marvel animation stuff is doing. But we also got confirmation of some live action stuff as well. We got new announcements for new TV series for both Echo and Agatha House of Harkness. So these are both shows that we knew were coming. Mm-hmm. They were confirmed, you know, by industry insiders. Echo was confirmed like almost a year ago. Yeah, like when wow. they were first making Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about that in terms of like their plans to do a spinoff of Echo. Um, Agatha House of Harkness, we just talked about that like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The fact that that news came out of her getting her own spinoff show from WandaVision. Um, you know, these make sense, I think. I think uh, Echo, this is a great opportunity to take a character that most people don't know about yes. um deaf indigenous character yes giving that a spotlight giving her a spotlight the representation of that is really important mm-hmm. and then agatha you know really the shining bright star of wandavision you know uh catherine Hahn coming back to do that makes sense I, we, we've already talked about that so it's just like yeah we we now know what's happening and i also like the title a lot house of harknesses that's a, that's, really that's a great cool. title yeah that's really cool um i Echo was one of those things I was like, so y'all not gonna tell people what this is? Like, like Right, exactly. I'm like, uh, I, I guess they're just supposed to go Google, but like they shouldn't have to do that. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Like sometimes I mean you yeah, whatever. Uh I think all of this is great, like you said. I think Echo's gonna be amazing just because again, what the character represents and um they have a chance to do some cool stuff with Echo. Echo has got some dark stuff going on. Even her origins, <laughs> um, how she got the handprint kinda on her face is is kind of crazy too. Um, but like, I'm just excited to see something completely different, um, and, and what Echo brings to the table. I get the health of Harkness. Like you said, we already talked about it. It's the, it's the greatest name ever. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it sounds really cool. Brilliant. I kind of want a shirt. House of Harkness. <laughs> like, I don't know. They should like yeah. find a way to like spoof Harry, like a Harry Potter, um, uh, a Harry Potter faction. And it'd be Uh-oh. like, yeah, 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 it's like House of Gryffindor, but it's like House of Harkness. And it's like. I don't know how they could do it because it's its own color too. It's like this is what you meant when you said that you're ahead of Marvel and they don't even know it because that's probably exactly what the fuck they're trying to do. They're trying to create witch and wizard houses yeah. right before our very eyes, right? That's what it sounds like to me, man. Uh, I, I think it'd be cool, uh, but yeah, that, those I'm, I'm I'm really excited for it too. Yeah, can't wait to see Echo in the upcoming Hawkeye series, which we. Obviously, we'll be talking at length about when it premieres next week. Um, but that character obviously has a uh, a big, big future ahead of her. So I can't wait to see what they do there. We also got some footage from Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, which we know are shows that are now coming out next year. Uh, Miss Marvel was originally supposed to come out this year, and it didn't happen. Um, they confirmed that it'll come out summer 2022. We still don't have any release dates for Moon Knight or She-Hulk, so we'll just have to wait and see when those come out. But they're presumably coming out in 2022. And then we also got our first look at Nick Fury from The Secret of Invasion series, which is believed to also be coming out in mm-hmm. 2022. So it looks like we have our lineup for next year Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She Hulk, and Secret Invasion wow. for 2022. And these first looks, um, boy, Moon Knight. Oh <laughs> my God. When he jumped. Oh when, man. When he's. Oh my God. 
between the buildings, the buildings and, the, and I, the obviously moon. the full moon oh, is in the background. God, yeah. Come on. Come on. Rip it right off a comic <laughs> panel, please. Like Oscar Isaac look like he's going for broke in his performance. Yes. Um we get clean shaven Oscar Isaac. I which, know, it's weird. Weird. Oh. I don't know if it's my favorite Oscar yeah, Isaac. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I like oh, I like scruffy uh Dune um yeah. Oscar Isaac there. Ex Machina. Oh, the, the, yo, Xbox. He he had he had this weird haircut, but he had that full yeah, beard. That was, was a, a weird haircut. I, it's crazy how many looks he can sport and just be different every single time. But uh, no, Moon Knight. Oh my goodness, it looks so crazy. It looks so incredible. It looks so dark. I mean, this was this was probably the most reminiscent of what we've gotten from the Marvel Netflix shows, like yeah. the Daredevil and the Punisher. Mm-hmm. There's that scene of him like. I mean, he's beating somebody to a pulp in that bathroom. The bathroom is destroyed. Yeah, bro. The toilets and the stalls are destroyed. He's just like laying in on somebody. It you hear some voiceover work. Um, the first voice sounds like him mm-hmm. using a different voice. We know that you know this character has dissociative dissociative identity disorder. Has mm-hmm. like multiple personalities. And then I think you also hear Ethan Hawke's voice. I think that like the 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 the, the gruff the more like grizzly voice is Ethan Hawke's voice in this trailer. But man, I. I cannot wait. I think that this show is going to be really good. I I just have a big, big feeling that this show is going to be amazing. It might be the best thing we've seen out of the Marvel TV side of things on the on Disney Plus in particular. Um, But I I, I need a release date. I just want to know exactly when it's coming so that I can get excited for it. Yeah, bro. Moon Knight looks absolutely nuts. I think they they're just on to something. I think they because the the groundwork for for uh, for, uh, all the shows we got this year has been done. I think they're they're able to look at all that stuff, take the good, get rid of some of the bad. That's why, like, I think next year these shows are, are just going to go crazy because they get it now. Um, and we talked about how much in, in WandaVision they were still learning. We talked about how much in Falcon Winter Soldier they were still learning. Um, and, and I think a lot of that really is going to carry over to these shows. Um, and I'm, I'm just excited, bro. Moon Knight looks freaking amazing. It's an important character. And a lot, of, a lot more people are about to know who Moon Knight is, too. And it's Oscar Isaac. I mean, I think it's, it's really the stars are aligning. For this Moon Knight show, I really do. And you said it's the first thing reminiscent of what we got from those Netflix series, um, which makes me even more excited, right? Because in my mind, at any point in time, they can easily throw in an Easter egg or something from that Netflix timeline or like just to say, hey, this happened. And we're like, "Uh oh, everybody hold the phone. Daredevil's happy. Or you know what I mean? I just I can't wait to that moment um, until something like that happens. But yeah, man, let's 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 get it. Yeah. Also, a lot of rumors that. uh blade may appear in moon Knight. very very heavily hey. rumored that we might see mahershala ali for the first time don't play because there, there are connections there, there so are. um and we we talked about we talked about that based on our conversation with eternals if you've heard that mm-hmm. if you haven't definitely go check it out um we got some first looks at she hulk too this looks good i think that um what's interesting here a couple of things I think it's definitely leaning into the comic book nature of the character, sort of that fourth wall breaking aspect of the character. Mm-hmm. Very reminiscent of Deadpool. They had that commercial like at the end that they were filming where you see like Bruce in the the old school Bill Bixby costume yeah. from the seventies show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's standing there like saying, You won't like me when I'm angry again, calling back to that show. Um, filming a really cheesy television commercial. And then you also see that apparently Bruce's arm is healed as Hulk. Yeah. Like he no longer has the damage from the Infinity Gauntlet from the effects of Endgame. Very interesting, I, you know, thing that I noticed. And we we didn't get the full look, but we saw like a lower body shot of of She Hulk in in her in her true form. So um, I liked what I saw there. I think it, it it looks like it'll be a fun adventure. And this is also 
apparently going to be leaning into the more like half hour, half hour comedy aspect as opposed to like an hour long drama. I think Moon Knight's going to be six episodes like Hawkeye or Loki, but She-Hulk is going to be 10 episodes, 30 minutes apiece. Mm-hmm. Um, really sort of like lawyer procedural drama, you know, thing that we see on like a lot of network TV. Even even the logo was reminiscent of it. So all all good things that I saw here. It all points to an interesting, you know, sort of show I think that they have. But I'm 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 interested to know like how has Bruce's arm healed, mm-hmm. um, if it is in fact post endgame, and then also just like the character implications that she'll have at large because theoretically like she's a lawyer in this universe. So like who is she gonna run into in the MCU? Because I think that that might create some opportunities to have some crossovers. Hey, I'm telling you, man, She-Hulk has way more going on than I think people realize. I kind of talked about this in the Loki breakdown, but she does have interactions with like the TVA and she does have to um, um, defend Doctor Strange at some point, who we know was about Mm -hmm. to do some multiversal madness kind of shit and might need (laughs) some bailing out for some high people. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she she really is important, man. Um, like you said, I think it's some it's going to be such a different TV show than we've seen because as much content as out that's out there, a like real like a real like lawyer by day, superhero by whatever other time of the day mm. type story, not something we've gotten really. It's not you know it's not like a yeah it's not it's not a normal thing, and I think that aspect is going to be cool. The only thing I don't like. Is the shoes she got on? I don't know what's going on with them shoes. Um, <laughs> that that when she turns into She Hulk, they like they like show these shoes, and I was like, I guess like is that your apparel choice there? Whatever, I don't know. Maybe it's a a lawyer thing. I have no idea why she had them shoes on. It is it as bad as when uh <laughs> when Shang Chi had them J's on with that really oh, traditional Chinese is, costume? It, it, I don't man, they up there, they battling. <laughs> They battling. I don't know. I don't know who's making the the, the footwear choices over there, but they got to do something different because yeah, it ain't working. They get a new shoe team. I don't know what's going on. Um, shoe team, Marvel shoe team, the Marvel shoe team, man. Hey, they probably get paid more than you think. Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm excited for She Hulk again because I, I, I she there's more glue to her than I think people realize, and that I think that's going to make it a good show. Certainly. Also, Miss Marvel. Um. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little worried. Yes, I'm a little concerned about. I thought it was just me. I thought it was just. <laughs> I'm me. a little concerned about Miss Marvel. So again, as I mentioned, this show was supposed to come out this year. It's not. It, it was delayed without any sort of like ceremony. It just like, mm-hmm. I mean, we we thought that it was coming out based on their schedule that they put out themselves. I think from you know Disney Investor Day last year, and then it just didn't happen. We just like went from What If to Hawkeye, and uh, now it's coming out summer 2022. Now there are rumors that. They are changing Kamala Khan's powers, her embiggen powers, visually, so that she does not, so that she doesn't look as much like Reed Richards as her powers oh. do, because Fantastic Four is coming in right. this universe. So it looks like that they might. The rumor, the rumor suggests that they're going something that visually looks more akin to Green Lantern when he uses the power of the Lantern Ring, mm. um, as opposed to her actual limbs. In beginning, so I you know again don't know if that's true or not. On top of that, I think that this show's giving off real freeform energy, um, real, <laughs> real middle school, high school teen drama energy. Mm-hmm. That I'm not necessarily the target demographic for that. It just feels very twelve going on thirteen. You know, just looking yeah. at the footage that we saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, could be very much surprised. I'm sure it'll have a lot of heart. 
um, because the character is that type of character. But I'm a, I'm a little concerned about this one and the fact that they pushed it back. I mean, ultimately, I think Marvel pushing anything back, I think it's for the better. I think that they've proven that, you know, if something gets delayed, if it comes out later than we expected, it's typically to make things better. And for the most part, I think that that's been true. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'm not going to lie, has me concerned. Yeah, it just it just doesn't feel how I thought it would feel. Um, in that, I kind of I, I really do wish this this power thing wasn't a word because mm-hmm. you just know they're similar. Like you know, it, I mean, that's fine. They're just similar and characters, it. and that's it. I think that's uh, maybe they feel bad about making it Kamala first. I don't know. I I have no idea. Um, but they could, in my mind, they could have made a whole thing out of it. You, you plant like a small little line and when Fantastic Four happens and it's like, that's it. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, right. And it, it makes it everything fine. But yeah, I, I'm worried, man. Um, because again, we haven't seen a lot, right? I mean, they're, they're but, sure. but they're, they're changing a ton of stuff. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not sure if this, like you said, this kind of teenage 12 going on 13 thing is what we are looking for although her character does embody some of that usually right. we're used to her character trying to uh step up to the level of the avengers though like that's mm-hmm. like her excitement it really is she she really is like spider-man in a lot of different ways um and like it's not feeling like that like she's trying to you know what i mean catch up to somebody um but this is our origins maybe we'll get to that later on down the line um yeah uh it this could also all be like the first look we got could also be like a weird red herring where they're like, let's give them nothing. Like mm, where, sure. whereas like Hawkeye, I freaking love the first look like we'll talk about, but like, you know, it's like, yeah, let's, let's uh, so I think they're kind of just doing a little opposite um, thing here. Maybe, maybe there really is more to Miss Marvel than meets the eye, but I too am worried. Um, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Absolutely. We also got a very brief glimpse at Nick Fury from the Secret Invasion series. Eye patch is gone. He's just out here, you know, rocking the eye <laughs> with the with the scratch from Goose, which is probably the worst revisionist thing that Marvel's ever done. Like that's how he lost his fucking eyes from that damn yeah, cat. I don't know what that was. Be that as it may. Um, we got a just quick look at him. He looks very grizzled, you know, very, very worn. Um, looks like he's been through some shit already. I, that was just like a screen test. It doesn't even look like an actual scene. Like they just stood him up for the screen test, mm-hmm. um, to get that footage, but they're filming that show right now. And that show's going to hopefully have some implications. Like we know it's, it's, it got some heavy hitters. Uh, Olivia, mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman's in that show. Um, um, what's actress Daenerys, uh, Targaryen, oh, Amelia, uh, Amelia Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in that show, so it, 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 it's supposed to have some big implications. They also kind of slightly changed the logo, I think, to more accurately reflect, like, the Cree of it all. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, still no, like, real looks from this. But it's interesting to see Nick Fury look that way. Uh, he's obviously, you know, one of, if not the most tenured actors in the MCU at this point, now that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is off the table. Um, but, yeah, I'm just hoping that they deliver because that's a big that's a big story and it has big you know wide reaching implications. Hopefully, this might be like the coolest headshot that Marvel has ever gotten because that mm. shit is just swaggy. It's literally bearded Samuel Jackson in a turtleneck, <laughs> like with one. I don't know. It just looks cool as hell to me. Like uh, he really looks like he reminds me of Bishop actually from X Men, but like without the, oh. without the dreads. 
Um, because yeah. he has like the eye thing going on with the scar over the eye. Crazy. Um, but yeah, man, I uh, I still have really really high hopes for Sick and Invasion in terms of every all the shows upcoming that we know of. Again, this is the one with like implications implications. Like this is the this is the Loki of the year, I think, in terms of what yeah. the the way it'll move the universe. Um, and I just hope they continue to convey that somehow. Like, nope, Secret Invasion. Like, I I know we're excited for Hawkeye and this and that, but it's like, oh, Secret Invasion. Like, we I think uh, they need to make sure we keep it in front of our minds as well. Um, um, to watch. So yeah, just just hopeful, man. Just hopeful. Yeah, and then um, they also gave us like an extended look at Hawkeye's specific scene. There was the uh, the car chase scene that we saw. Um, Hawkeye's obviously coming out next week. It's right around the corner. But it was nice of them to like throw that in there to give us a, a sense of the, the the style and the tone of that series. I'm weirdly looking forward to Hawkeye now. I did I didn't you know I didn't think that I was going to be interested in the show. But I think after that first trailer, we mm-hmm. saw the the big diehard Christmas vibes, and yeah. obviously them staying so faithful to the Matt Fraction comic series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're in for a big surprise here, and uh, the general reaction. We've gotten like some some general reactions about the first two episodes. People have been mostly positive, saying like, yeah, it's off to a good start. Obviously, there's more to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, it hasn't fully hit its stride just yet. But I think with these first two episodes, we're in for for a treat here. Hopefully, yeah, man. I really do think Haley Steinfeld is about to kill this. I really do. Um, I've I've kind of always liked her. I think she's pretty good um, as an actress, even though how young she is. She's always just kind of killed it because, like, uh, again, she used to be able to sing. Like, this is like a Pitch yep. perfect girl, <laughs> and you're like, damn, you can you can uh, really bring some flavor, I think, to who Kate Bishop is supposed to be. And again, watching these previews, I'm like, yep, Kate would have said that. Yep, Kate would have said that too. Like, I think she's really is doing a good job. So excited to see their dynamic in the show. Excited that it's Christmas time again. Imagine every year you're just watching Hawkeye for Christmas. I don't know. I know it sounds weird, but it's like if it got diehard vibes, you know what I mean. You might. Might yeah. have throw on a couple episodes of Hawkeye every year, depending on how good this is, man. So yeah, I think I think we're in for a treat. More more so than than we thought initially for sure. I hope so. Um any anything else from Disney Plus Day that uh that stood out to you? Any other announcements like outside of the Marvel stuff that we got that was that was notable for you? Of course, the big, big, big one that we have to talk about is the sneak peek, one minute sneak peek at Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. Um mm-hmm. it, it They've been talking about this for a long time. <laughs> um, they have, yeah. yeah. Ever since Disney Plus was like first announced, mm-hmm. <laughs> like two years ago, over yeah. two years ago. Like a lot. It's crazy that like all of these first looks of like Moon Knight and Miss Marvel, all this has like caught up to the first look at Proud Family Louder and Prouder. But I think they wanted to get it right, which is why it's taking them so long. Um, which is important because Proud Family is near and dear to so many of us, right? It was like one of the black cartoons that we grew up watching. Um, and again, here we are with this new iteration. Penny's older, um, and I've been I've been seeing a lot of mixed mixed reviews online, man. A lot of people, of course, are excited to get more Proud Family, but a lot of people are a little bit upset that the agenda wasn't pushed more in terms of age. A lot of people wanted to see maybe like an insecure age kind of kind of Penny navigating the world in an animated space, mm. or you know, a lot of people wanted to see College Penny. Um, and, and see her maybe navigate that space, you know? Um, so it's interesting that we, here we are in her final, what, years of high school now, instead of those yeah. early years, I think, of high school, late middle school that she was in. Um, and we're, and, and we're exploring that instead. Um, but I'm excited for it. I have to be. I love the Proud family. Of course, it's always had, it's like random issues in terms of like, 
the characters and some of the things they say, you know, you're like, yeah. ah, I don't know if you should have said, but uh, yeah, man, really, really excited. It looks good. The animation style that they kept, they kept faithful to the old animation style, but tweaked it just a little bit. And I think that was genius. That's literally what we want from X-Men. We just talked about it and they did it already with Proud Family. So I'm kind of, again, that's why I'm hopeful um, for what X-Men is going to do. But uh, that combined with um, all the voice actors returning. I'm just excited to yeah. hear Uncle Bobby again, Cedric the Entertainer, because that is my boy. Somebody bring my mama back so she can make me a snack. I got I to gotta hear stuff like that again to make me laugh, bro. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be good still. Um, and I'm, I'm still interested in a lot of these opinions of how, uh, yeah, our generation feels about it kind of being stuck in, in kind of that high school era. You know, people say that they want that, and I, I don't know if they really do. Mm-hmm. I think that they're, I think that they're fooling themselves. Like, yeah. look at any cartoon ever when they age up the characters, and we, we resist, we go against it. Like, I remember when they did all grown up for the uh-huh. Rugrats, and it was like, what the fuck is this? I don't want to <laughs> see them older. That's the genius of like these other shows, like South Park or Family Guy or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Like, they never get old. They like, they mm-hmm. are, they are the characters that we know that we grew, grew up loving. They still are those characters. Like. I don't know. Just think about it as like a day by day thing. You know, it's not a year by year thing. It's like all of these episodes is like one individual day. Um, so, yeah, I think people say that they want that. But if they did that, probably wouldn't work. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that people get to experience Proud Family like a new generation can discover this. It's it's funny how, you know, our generate generation grew up on that. And now a new generation will get the, the same opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um and also allow for the opportunity to go back and revisit some of those older episodes and, and to see like where it all started and where it came from. So this was definitely a really popular thing that dropped. And as you mentioned, like I know a lot of people are looking forward to this as well because it's been long gestating and it's been long talked about. So the fact that it's finally coming out next year, February, February, we have a release date, February 2022. It'll be coming out right in Black History Month. So good timing on their part. Good deal so far. It all looks nice. It all looks, you know, it all looks great and they're making the right decisions, getting mm-hmm. all the creators back and getting the original cast back. So I think they're on to something here so we'll see um but those are pretty much our thoughts on disney plus day they rolled out a few new things but they pretty much confirmed a lot of what we knew but i think we still walked away with a few exciting announcements but if you tuned into anything that they dropped on disney plus day this past friday definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it and other marvel studios news this did this actually didn't get confirmed in disney plus day this got confirmed like a week before we just found out that Gael Garcia Bernal has been cast as the lead for the long-rumored Halloween special for Marvel Studios, um, and that Halloween special is rumored to be Werewolf by Night, who also has connections to Moon Knight that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Gael Bernal is a pretty legendary actor. Um, he was just earlier in Old mm-hmm. this year, which we talked about, but he's a Mexican actor um, and producer, has been in the industry for you know like 25 years at this point. Really notable roles. Um, I think it's like his big breakthrough was with this movie called E2 Mama Tambien, um, which came out in 2001. And he's been just doing a lot of work since then. Um, and again, was in old earlier this year. Coming over to the MCU, they haven't confirmed if he's actually playing the character right. of Werewolf by Night. They just said that he's the lead. But, you know, I mean, I'm like, well, I'm hoping that <laughs> yeah. that's just, you know, he's the character. Yeah, like, yeah. just make him Werewolf by Night. Like, let's just do that. So um, not much else is known by that. And they didn't confirm this at Disney Plus Day, nor any other casting news. I, you know, I think similar to last year, I was also expecting, like, oh, confirmed castings, like, say, mm-hmm. 
yes, this is who's coming into Secret Invasion, or this is who's going to be in Ms. Marvel. We, we didn't really get any of that. So um, they didn't officially like talk about this at Disney Plus Day, but this was exclusively broken um, from some industry insiders. So we know that this is going to be coming, likely, I would assume, next Halloween. They'll have this, or maybe two Halloweens from now. I don't know. They, they haven't filmed this, so maybe two Halloweens yeah. from now, actually. Um, so we'll have to see when it actually hits uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, man, he's a good actor. Um, and I think... Him again bringing something to 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 the MCU as less little as known as Werewolf by Night is a uh, it's a step of faith a little bit right a lot of people don't know about this character um, but he's doing it so and I, and he's going to do good so it's really up to uh, the things surrounding it to to see if this is going to be a good project um, but yeah uh, I have hope certainly more casting news we just found out that gal gadot is set to play the evil queen in Disney's live action adaptation of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs so. Disney, um, they're 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 making live action adaptations of more of their movies. They're going back to Snow White, their first one ever. Um, mm-hmm. That's the one they put them on the map. Gal Gadot playing the Evil Queen. Um, you know, makes sense. I think Gal Gadot is obviously going for big roles right now. She's doing really big movies, um, big notable things um, that are splashy. Uh, a live action Snow White. I'm not really that interested. I'll watch it when it comes out, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. I think we've seen the track record with these live action adaptations has been 50-50 at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, they were always going to do their very first one. But, uh, you know, good look for her. I think I think her playing the Evil Queen makes more sense than, you know, her playing anybody else. But we also know that the uh, the, the young actress that's going to be in West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, mm-hmm. is playing Snow White. I, I can't remember her name now, but we, we, we talked about that a few weeks ago, um, that she was cast in that role. So we have our two, our two leads, presumably, here. Rebecca... No, dang it! I know her name. It's uh, it's it's gonna escape me. Um, but yeah, I I actually like um the live action Cinderella film they made. What was that like twenty fifteen something weird like that? Yeah. Um, mm. I actually like that movie, and so I'm hoping they can somehow bring some pizzazz to this in the same way they did to that. Um, but like you said, it's fifty fifty. It's not you know it's not always gonna hit. Um, but I I'm actually not sure. How I feel about Gal Gadot as the evil queen. Not that she can't do it, but it's just so different for her. But that's why I like it. I'm like, Gal Gadot mm, doesn't, yeah. doesn't play evil people. It's not a thing she does. She's freaking Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's like it's hard <laughs> yeah. to go from playing Wonder Woman to me believing the evil queen. But I think that's my interest in now going into that movie. How is she going to... I need Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot to convince me that she's an evil queen. Um, so, again, that's kind of going to be my mindset now. Uh, so I think that's cool, man. I'm I'm happy she's trying new stuff. To be honest, um, and I hope it's dope. Yeah, absolutely. And the actress uh, playing Snow White—that's Rachel. Zander, oh, it's so is, close. Uh, yeah, she's going to be in uh, West Side Story, but she's going to be playing opposite of Gal Gadot. So we'll see what that looks like. Also, we just found out that Daniel Day Kim has been cast as the Fire Lord. Is it Ozai? Yeah, Ozai, Ozai. in uh, Netflix's upcoming live-action Avatar: The Last Airbender series, which is it's going through some things, but they're they're moving forward with it. But Daniel Day Kim, a uh, really notable actor, has done a lot of stuff, um, being cast here as the Fire Lord, and uh, I know a lot of people. I, from what I've saw, there were there there was positive feedback about this, but I know that the show in general also has been. It's been through the ringer a little bit. I know the creator of the the original animated series has stepped away. He's mm-hmm. no longer associated with this live action show. Mm-hmm. So this is you know sort of Netflix just moving forward with it, finding a different producer to come on board. But um, I know you've you've more you've been more so tapped into Avatar: The Last Airbender than I have. Any thoughts on Daniel Day Kim specifically being in this role? Yeah, I think he's going to kill it. Um, Ozai has this this thing to him. Well, one thing, Daniel Day Kim, he's he going to have to get a little belt. 
Like, <laughs> I mean, Ozai's built, so he's gonna have to get. Yeah, he gonna he about to be in the gym for real, for real. But Ozai has this presence to him of uh, it's 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 arrogance, but it's charming. And I think, okay. and I think Daniel Day Kim is going to be able to to give us just that um, because he's a uh, just his personality. He's just a really cool dude. Like he'll model for you in a second. Like all his like album covers be looking modelish or not album covers, but uh, magazine covers and shit. And like he he just walks around like a like a model. That's what he does. Um, but he's like this is really cold ass actor. Um, and and I, I think he's going to be do great. I really do. So I, excited to see him. Yeah, and hopefully they can uh, make this show worthwhile because we know that there's been um, it's been a long and troubling history with uh, live action adaptation, Avatar, anything. So we'll have to see. Um, in other news, we just found out that Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon are set to join Christopher Nolan's next film, which is going to be entitled Oppenheimer. That's going to be coming out in 2023 through Universal Pictures. And this is the story about the man who helped create the atomic bomb that's going to be played by Killian Murphy. And they also join Emily Blunt, who's rumored to be in talks to join this cast as well. So they're stacking it up. They're stacking up this cast. Um, Chris Nolan also leaving Warner Brothers after a long time. He's no longer working with them. I think uh, the the bridge was burned severely with Tenet and the HBO Max of it all mm-hmm. and just what they did this past year releasing you know day and day with like their um their big theatrical releases putting them on the streaming service so he's decided to go over to universal he has this like fat nice new contract that's completely catering to all his needs um but this is his next project he's doing something another period piece and uh rdj matt damon i mean wow. the star power is there uh, yeah. i never thought i would see robert downey jr in a chris nolan movie mm-hmm. um nonetheless like working with matt damon but i'm, I'm intrigued I'm, I'm always intrigued for a chris nolan project even though i'm Largely disappointed a lot of the time lately. Um, I'm still I'm still here for it just because I think he still is one of the finest filmmakers working today. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this cast here is extremely impressive. I'm I'm really looking forward to to what they can hopefully do with this. I know, uh, you know, Chris Christopher Nolan somewhere weeping as um, a lot of his actors are retiring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael Caine, <laughs> yeah, they are. Michael Caine was like, I am out of here, and I I'm I done. just know Christopher Nolan wept when he got that news, like. Uh, because that he was in like every Christopher Nolan movie is pretty, pretty much pretty insane. Um, but yeah, this this casting is interesting. I'm I'm so interested in that combination, like you said, Robert Downey Jr. and Christopher Nolan by itself is like, huh? Matt Damon and Christopher Nolan by itself is like, huh? Robert, Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon by itself is like, you know, and it, it, it's really going to be uh, something. Something interesting to watch. It's also crazy. We just talked about Oppenheimer in our Marvel or in the our Eternals breakdown, um, yep. talking about the Tommy Bomb. So that's that's kind of in, insane timing, maybe to like hear that. Like, oh, went from this to this uh, in a very short amount of time. But yeah, uh, I'm, I, I'm I'm like you said, I'm always excited for a Christopher Nolan project. So let's do it. Absolutely. And our last news item, Leonardo DiCaprio is in final talks to star as Jim Jones, who was the 1970s religious cult leader who was behind the mass Jonestown suicide that ultimately took over 900 lives. Um, Boy, the Internet is something else. It's crazy how we can take this historical incident (laughs) where so many people were lost and turn it into... Listen, an admittedly funny meme. I can't lie. I listen, the, the 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 superimposed images of Leo's face on Jim Jones, the rapper's body, kill me every time. I just can't get over 
<laughs> can't get over it. Like, who's doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, listen, uh, Leo, he has his next project lined up. We already know that he's going to be in Martin Scorsese's next movie, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. He has Don't Look Up coming out later this year. Um, this looks like his next project after that. He's doing a biopic portraying a uh, very notorious individual who was responsible for a whole lot of death here. Um, so it looks like it might be a more sinister turn for Leo, which I'm always interested in because anytime he actually plays a b- bad guy, uh, i.e. Django or Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. like those are my fa- favorite performances. I yeah. think he just like he's- he soars over the moon mm-hmm. when he's like an evil, no good bastard. So um, I don't know that much about Jim Jones, obviously, besides like the headlines. So it'll be interesting to see him unpack this obviously this complex and complicated person who was uh, responsible for a really horrific event. So Leo, I mean, he's a man out here, so I can't be mad at it. That movie about to get real creepy boy. Cause I just know Leo is going to be able to again, convey this freaking cult leader, dude. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's going to be something different. I think we've seen out of Leo, which is crazy. Cause you, every time you think he's giving us everything, it's like, ah, I'm going to go be Jim Jones now. You're like, Oh, well, I guess I'm still interested. <laughs> like, I guess right. you did something else to to pique my interest, Leo. Um, yeah, man, I'm 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 definitely excited to see it. I think I think it's going to be uh, a treat, and I hope you know, like you said, every time we play somebody, it's like you killed it, like you you beast it. And here we are again. Absolutely. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are officially down and out for this week's episode of Two Black Nerds. Thank you again for always tuning in with us each and every week. We will be back next week, of course, to talk about all the new releases, including Ghostbusters Afterlife, the newest Ghostbusters film that is going to be coming out later this week. We also got to talk about King Richard, the latest biopic star on Will Smith. And, of course, Hawkeye is finally debuting on Disney+, Plus, the brand new live-action TV series from Marvel Studios. And we got something a little special planned for that. So we will be back next week to talk about all of those things and all the other news that comes out over the course of the week we know a new spider-man trailer is coming mm-hmm. uh so we're definitely gonna be looking out for that depending on how severe it might be we might have to do some emergency for that just to see <laughs> yep. um and get those reactions out there but uh as usual we'll be back next week and thank y'all again for tuning in with us yes 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 with that being said y'all we are out of 5000 and remember always bet on black appreciate y'all love y'all thank you for listening to another episode of two black nerds where we're too black too nerdy and we out y'all Peace. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. I'm getting jacked. I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking Warren's wealth. They took my rings. They took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up and they all around. Can't none of them see him if they going straight down for power. They want to come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my strap and lay them busters down. They got guns to my head. I think I'm going down.